Billy Pelser has a nice home. Billy, is that you? Yeah, Ma, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him. You're going to like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're going to have to open it now. We'll wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift he ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? We got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change. They become clever, mischievous, and dangerous. Someone's, huh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. They've been here, too. What are these things? Where do they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy. I know. But in a few hours, you're going to have a major disaster on your hands. Gremlins. Directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you on me. talking about this during that trailer. The Gremlins 2 is an underrated sequel. Someday, we're gonna, I'm giving this away right now. If you're listening today, in the future, when this top five actually happens, you can say you were here when the whole idea had its genesis. Someday, we're going to do top five underrated sequels. Don't call about it now. Gremlins 2, the new batch, will be on the list. Also, Temple of Doom. Let me just say this. Here's why we played the Gremlins trailer just now, because I was going to play something from Temple of Doom, and then the Temple of Doom trailer is mostly just action and music. Wouldn't really translate in the radio. And then I was going to play the, the Last Crusade trailer. I actually went so far as to, actually, as to edit down and file away the trailer for the Last Crusade. That's for blasphemy. Uh, but I didn't play because I figure I'll wait until next year uh, when Indy uh, 4 is coming out. The as-yet-untitled Indiana Jones 4 film. But, of course, obviously, as everybody knows, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is sort of... Uh, those two movies are sort of uh, karmically and generationally linked. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Gremlins. So, one always makes you think of the other for reasons that I don't need to explain. Uh, and then, so, that's why I went with Gremlins, which is fantastic. Gremlins, which... If for no other reason than it cemented the image of Hoyt Axton in everybody's head. This is the bathroom buddy. Somebody ought to market and sell a bathroom buddy. I would totally buy one of those. All right, and we're done. It's uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's four minutes and 38 seconds after the hour of 11 in this the month of August in the year of our Lord 2007. Thank you for coming by and making it part of your listening day. 
We are live. I got too much saliva today. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. Uh, we're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Monday, and welcome to day 12. It is 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, uh, your what have you. Uh, Scotty J is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the whatever. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, you want to email, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Scotty J at 970.am. All right. Uh, speaking of Scotty J, we'll catch up with him later on. He's that... Let me just say this. He is, and I could have seen this coming, Scotty J is that guy who cannot wait to show you photographs of what he did on his vacation. I walk, I walk by his hovel, his room, his cave. Um, I shouldn't make fun. He has a door. Most people who work in the building don't have a door. He has a door. He doesn't have a handle, though. Here's a funny thing about the room where Scotty J works, and if you've been here and if you've seen this, you know that I'm telling the truth. Scotty J works in a small little room. Which, again, uh, you know, is, you know, there's a lot of people upstate. He doesn't work in a cubicle. Give him that. Scotty J has, what, about 90% of the people. They, I would say of all the people who work here at CBS Radio Portland uh, East, I would say of all the people in this building, fewer than 10% of the employees have, a, have, a, have walls and a door. Everybody else is a cubicle. So Scotty has walls and a door, which is nothing to smirk at. He just doesn't have a handle on the door. And when I say I don't have a handle on it, I don't mean like he can't figure it out. I mean, literally, there's no handle. Uh, if you shut the... Idea. If you shut the door, it can't be opened again. No one take advantage of that information. Whatever you do, don't go by and seal him in there like he's in a sarcophagus. That would be wrong. Do it. Uh, all right. Anyway, so I walked by Scotty's uh, cave this morning, and he said, Hey, Rick, here's a pic. You want to see where I went this weekend? And you can't just say no. You can say, No, I'd rather be eaten alive by weevils. You have to just sort of, sure, show me. Well, here's some water. I mean, it's a lake. I understand it's probably a nice lake, but, I mean, unless it's a lake on the moon, it's probably nothing I haven't seen before. I mean, really, honestly. Crater Lake being the sole exception to that. All right. Uh, all right, it is uh, Monday. Uh, we're going to be talking to our good friend, CNN Radio, of course, by Lisa Goddard today, about uh, Alberto Gonzalez, to whom we say adios. Not even my joke. That was on Drudge. Uh, let's see. Jim Roop will be joining us today. Phil Spector's lawyer apparently quit, realizing his client is guilty and crazy. Uh, Scotty J will uh, join us. We'll talk about what he did uh, over his summer vacation, blah, blah, blah. I guess it was like a whole family, like a weekend with the Jays kind of a thing. Um, we'll be doing a top five today, a very special top five. That guy, Ed, is going to be in the studio today. On Thursday... I presented to you, in my estimation, this is Rick Emerson's list only, the top five most perfectly crafted pop songs of all time. This guy, Ed, immediately called to get all in my business about it. Uh, and, and so I asked him, I said, well, Mr. Smarty Man, uh, you want to come in and do your own? And he said, yes. And he actually, I think he, before I could even clarify, I think he took the day off. Like, I think while we were on the phone, he emailed his boss, and I will not be in Monday. I will be on the Rick Emerson program. So some guy named Ed... Uh, that's all caps. Some guy named Ed will be in the studio later on today to do his top five perfectly crafted pop songs of all time. 
Uh, we had a lot of requests for it. We didn't get to it on Friday, so we'll try to do today's uh, Whatever Happened To, uh, which is something that people were asking us to do. We failed to get to that Friday. Uh, we planned to fail, failed to plan, failed. So we'll try to do that today. Uh, a double penis watch today. Uh, let's see, religious nutcase watch. Blah, blah, blah. We had a whole pile of watches. I don't know if we'll get to them or not. We may or may not to get to those watches today. Uh, let's see. What else? Well, other things. Uh, a big pile of observations to get to as well. <gasps> And you guys, and by you guys I mean Sarah and Tim, you haven't heard the Miss Teen South Carolina. No, and I've stopped looking oh, on the internet. Oh, oh, I thought that everybody had seen that by now. Um, I realize I'm like one of five million idiots on the radio to play that today. But uh, it's genius. And when I found out you guys hadn't seen it, as I, as I said, it was sort of like when you, do, when you find out that somebody hasn't seen a really good movie or read a really good book, and then you're all excited, you're sort of jealous for them that they get to hear it. It's fantastic. I had a Jillian make that a squillion people send that to me over the weekend. So we'll be uh, playing that here in just a uh, just a skosh, as they say. Seemed like I had something else that was important to play, but for the life of me, I can't remember what the hell it was. Seemed all exciting, and now it's gone. Gone from this place. Uh, all right, it's 503-733-2970. You want to uh, give us a ring about whatever we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan, why, hello, and how are you? I'm feeling a lot better. I got to have my first cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah, you had that kind of blank, dejected, disconnected. No, it sucked. I'm, well, I'm kind of scared because I feel like I faced death this morning. And I really did because my brakes went out on my bike, and I'm, you know, hauling ass down Hawthorne Boulevard <laughs> going like 30 miles an hour. And um, This is like a Final Destination thing where you survived the soapbox derby until the universe was trying to kill you this morning on oh Hawthorne. Oh, my God, that's totally it. <laughs> because I got to the bottom. To be... Yeah, I got to the bottom started braking. All of a sudden, because um, I had, like, the back, uh, back pedal brakes, seven and Electra, like, a, it's modeled after, like, old-fashioned cruisers. And I pushed it back, and all of a sudden I heard, a, like, this, like, ka-ching. And then all the Yep, and my pedals started wibbling in either direction. The brakes didn't work. Um, I couldn't change any gears. I was basically, I had to try and stop myself yeah. by dragging my feet on the ground. It was very scary. You're doing like the Flintstones breaking? Yeah. So, so I got I the call at like 9.50. This like, oh, it, Rick, can you, Sarah, can you come pick me up on Madison? I don't have any brakes. So is your bike just chained up down there? Yeah, I just locked it up. I'm going to try and walk it to a bike shop later today. Good times. And there's nothing worse than getting, I mean, I suppose there is something worse, but there are a few things worse. It's like losing your car keys. Getting halfway to work. It's like that time that I got right to the bridge and then my flat tire, mm -hmm. and I wasn't even over the bridge. I had just gotten to the base of the bridge. I was about to climb up, do the climb up the bridge. Back tire goes all flat, and then you have to walk, and I and I didn't call anybody, so I, just, I walked my bike, and, it's, and you don't realize the distance between walking and biking until your bike goes dead, and then you have to walk the distance, and it's like four hours, and you're all sweaty, and just like the sad-ass walk as you're like pushing your bike down the street, so no, that sucks. That's what I'm about to do today. And you were like me, by the way, that I'm not going to pretend that I bike all the time, um, but you no, I bike a fur piece, as they say. But I don't. I, I man, I couldn't fix my bike if you put a gun to my head. Yeah, I tried to like fickle around with the chain. And I had no idea what I was doing. So uh, nah. now I'm gonna have to take a bus twice this afternoon. Oh, that sucks. In the after, in the heat. I know. So I'm gonna take a bus to my bike, then walk my bike to a bike shop, then try and find another bus to take it. And you know you're gonna get to the bike shop, and he's gonna go. Well, we're real stacked up. Probably Thursday. You know that's gonna happen. I'm not trying to be a buzzkill, but that's what always happens to me too. And, and I'm a total girl about it. Like I just, Actually, I shouldn't say that because there is a girl here, Becca, who is like, hey, so uh, are those quick-release tires on your bike? And I'm like, uh, sure. Like, I had no idea. I, could, I, I realize it makes me sound retarded to say that I can't fix a flat. I just can't. Mm -hmm. I'm just a dumb American. I have, I have people I pay for that. So, um, And it always, 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 when you take your bike into the bike shop, 
they've just had a really busy day, and they don't know when they're going to be able to get to it. Oh, that's going to suck. And plus, I don't know what bus to take anymore, because since we got the parking lot, if I don't ride my bike, I'll just drive. Yeah. Well, where are you going? I'm going near Hawthorne Boulevard. Can I just take the 14, because didn't they reroute it over Morrison Bridge? I don't know. I haven't taken the bus in like a year and a half. Yeah, I don't so, even know where to catch it. Because the, because the bike is the new bus for me. Like, I drive a lot, obviously, but I, but I don't, like, if, I, if I'm not driving, I just bike. I don't take the bus uh, at this point. So I couldn't I couldn't even begin to tell you that. Oh, crap. Best day ever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about the Soapbox Derby in just a second. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification today. I don't know where to begin. It's a busy day. It is. Uh, Michael Vick says he's sorry and has found Jesus since there's no rehab for dogfight organizers. That's next on the list. Barack Obama also found Jesus campaigning in the South. Jesus was campaigning in the South? With Barack Obama. Yeah. Uh, Alberto Gonzalez dragged through the mud so the president has resigned. Hulk Hogan sends a release from the hospital after wrapping his fancy car around a tree. A a marathon runner is brought back to life by two OSP officers. A southeast Portland bicyclist is attacked by a mob of young thugs who steal his bike. Actor Owen Wilson, who you probably never heard of before today, clings to life following a suicide attempt and has released the following statement. Don't ask me how... You can do this. He says, quote, I respectfully ask that the media allow me to receive care and heal in private No. during my difficult times. No. Sign the media. Uh, <laughs> Fidel Castro is probably still alive. That's it. Oh, I'm sorry. Your, your phraseology was such that I didn't know that was the end. That is All the right. end. Excellent. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, all of that plus uh, Scotty J, Lisa Goddard, James Roop from Los Angeles. Oh, I think we're talking to Clyde today as well, and maybe Peter Carlin. I, I have no idea, honestly. To be quite honest, I have no... I, I, don't, I don't know. Peter Carlin, he may be hunkered down creating some new hit piece about coin television. So uh, somebody asked me if we're going to be having Ed Whalen on, and I, I really don't know the answer to that. We're That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm certainly open to it. I mean, I'll confess it's not like I'm a big uh, watcher of network news, even of the local variety. But uh, I know that he's a guy that people sort of grew up with around here. So we, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll put on our feelers, uh, as they say. Hey, by the way, over the weekend was this when we had the dirty bomb fake the simulation thing? Did that already happen? I Maybe. completely forgot. About I haven't it. heard a thing about it. I completely forgot about it over the course of the Didn't week. we figure out it was happening in October? No, there's, that's that's the other one. No, it was supposed to happen this past weekend. We were supposed to be put under martial law after a nuclear bomb was exploded in Portland. Yeah, there was there was two of them. There's the one that's happening in October, and then there was the one that was happening. There was Top Off, and then there was Noble Eagle or Maybe whatever. Maybe the atomic bomb wasn't ready yesterday. Maybe. All right. And I spent all day ducking and covering for no reason. Uh, all right. Uh, well, let's just uh, take this weekend in in chronological order. A, uh, thanks to everybody who turned out at the Soapbox Derby. On, yeah, I, that I say thanks awesome. as though I had any personal stake in it. It doesn't matter to me. I but so many listeners, though. Seriously? And, of course, I look like crap uh, because I got up three minutes before I had to be there. Um, and it, so I just rolled right out of bed and just put on whatever stunk the least on the floor and just got in my car and just, and just drove to Mount Tabor. And there's no coffee and just all... Unshaven. I just looked terrible. I mean, it's not like, under the best of circumstances, I don't ever look all that great. But I looked awful. So, of course, that was the day. There was like five jillion listeners all, you know, hey, can I get a photo with you? And, you know, I'm, sure, I don't care. That's fine. I just wish I'd looked more decent. It's, every photograph taken with me, I'm just all, ah, it just looked like the dawn of the dead. Um, so I don't remember everybody's names, but there was um, uh, names that come to mind. I met a guy named, uh, let's see, Ryan, Kyle, Ray, uh, Billy, Gabriel, um, 
Jesus. Jesse. Jesse. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Jesse. Meet the Pope. I did meet. I did meet the Pope. Um, did you guys end up making it into that final? The, the... We made the final. Well, we made the first round of the finals. Excellent. So we got to race four times. It was badass. So now that it's over, we can say that Sarah's uh, team was in a Pope mobile with a full-on plexiglass booth, like the glass case on top. I don't think they have that anymore. You mean they the actual Pope? Away. I think it was a Pope John II only thing. Uh, okay. So I don't took think, it away. Yeah, I don't think Benedict was allowed to have that. I think it was... Uh... And our Pope was the drunkest person there. Oh, who, now, but, do I know that guy? Uh, his name's Kurt. I think you might have met him at yeah, some he was, point. He was unbelievable. He drunk. was so drunk. I could not even imagine. And he was, you know, at the end of the day, he's eating things and, like, talking and spitting food out while he's talking. Just so gross. Here's the best part, by the way. So here's the best part of the Pope Mobile outfit. Is that, you know, so Sarah and uh, and your friend um, Amanda were nuns, and then there was some other guy dressed as a bishop, and then you were, there was Kurt as the Pope. Um, and so you, they, they're in the big Pope Mobile car, which is really badass. On the third run down, though, the guy playing the Pope, <coughs> pardon me, just covers um, covers himself and the inside of the booth in ketchup, he and then slumps over as though... You promised him that you'd kill him. Oh, well, I, we were supposed to stage this fake assassination, but then I realized that to do that, I was going to have to stand on the track in front of the Back to the Future car, and I didn't want to be run over by a DeLorean. So he just covered himself with ketchup and slumped over and pretended he'd been shot. It was it was really great. It really was fantastic. Um, yeah, it was really fantastic, too, when that ketchup started cooking in 80-degree heat. Yeah, it's I It's everywhere, it. and I, it smelled so bad. I didn't want to be around for that. Uh, so, and, uh, so big shouts out also to the uh, the car that was uh, Tokyo slash Manhattan with Godzilla and King Kong on it, the Takaria car, uh, the trailer, the dive bar, um, the uh, the one that was the Interstellar TriMet bus yeah, thing with cool. the AM970 sticker on it. That was great. So yeah, just a ton of it was like every 30 seconds. Oh, and let me just say this: most awkward moment uh, of the entire not of the weekend. The most awkward moment of the weekend will come later. Oh, the, yeah, you, te- you guarantees that to me when you had to pick me up after my bike. The most workout. awkward moment from Saturday, you know, my brother is, I don't even know how you refer to these people. My Your brother? No, the, the parents of my sister-in-law, the parents of the girl that my brother married. So my brother married this girl, and then her parents live on Mount Tabor, right overlooking one of the reservoirs because they're all rich and whatnot. So they were just strolling through, seeing what was going on in their neighborhood, and I, and I just ran into them. And they're very prim and proper. They're very... Uh, you know, very upper crust, at least compared to me. And uh, so I'm talking to them and trying to be charming. Right then, drunk listener comes up, gives me a big man hug. You're effing great! I love you! And just reeking of Jack Daniels and death. Just gives me the huge, like, man sweaty hug. And then, like, hugs my father-in-law guy oh, as well. And then just staggers off blindly into the, into the, into the sea of humanity. And my father-in-law just kind of goes, well... That was interesting. So that was the end of that conversation. Anyway, so um, so congratulations to everybody who took part in the... Hey, Scotty, am I supposed to be able to see... Are you screening these calls? Because I can't... My call screening is doing nothing for me here. It's just completely blank. I'm seeing these calls on hold, but I can't see who's... Uh, I can't see who's who's doing, you know, what the content of the calls is. Just so you know. Anywho, um, so congratulations. Thanks to everybody who came to the Soapbox Derby on Saturday. It was great. It was a good time. And then... Um, so I gather you did not make it to Rockfest because I didn't see you yesterday. No, I was so tired. It was a bit of a drive. It was like 30 minutes out. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. My sister came into town, so my sister and her boyfriend were there, and then we ended up staying out later than I thought that I possibly could. How's, your then... bo- how's his boyfriend? Or oh, your sister's boyfriend? He's really nice. I don't approve of him. You don't approve of him? No. You met him, right? No. 
You didn't meet him? No, not at all. Okay. No, I just don't approve in general. No, um, he was a very nice boy. Excellent. Is she still in town, your sister? No, she had to leave yesterday, but I'm going to go this week. Was weekend she just here for her. a day? Mm-hmm. Well, that's weird. All right. Um, yeah, it's just... Okay, thank you, Scotty. So, blah, blah, blah. So, there you go. So, there's that. So, uh, so Rockfest was happening uh, yesterday. Uh, Rockfest, the 12th, our sister station, KUFO. It was fun. It was actually a really cool time. It was, cool. a, it was a great uh, It was a great time. Um, just, man, just a ton of freaking people. Uh, I, you know, I ran into a bunch of listeners there. And uh, there's just, I mean, obviously, it's a KUFO event. But I ran into a bunch of people that were, you know, knew who we were as well. And, um, man, it was just packed. I mean, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a rock festival. It's, a, you know, it's a festival show. So, obviously, as the day goes on, it gets more and more crowded, more and more more people arrive. Even a band, I mean, and I got to tell you that Cracker, which they had their kind of biggest success in the 90s, they were sort of the odd band out. It, even they were amazing. They were really good. Cleveland was on the side stage, that Viva La Luna stage, Cleveland with Stephanie uh, fronting. They were, is Morgan Grace in Cleveland now? I swear to God, Morgan Grace is playing playing sec, second guitar for Cleveland. Hmm. It's, I, it's, I it's either all, her or like a doppelganger. They're all buddies. I, I would. It was, I anyway, they were surprised. badass, man. They just smoked that place. They uh, Cleveland just they leveled that place. And then the punk group, and I'm not like a huge fan of the punk group, but I am a, I am a fan of the idea of that band because they're sort of this weird Devo esque kind of band. And they came out and they just. They just played all of these really weird synth pop songs, and that Rockfest crowd just didn't really know how to respond. They were just sort of puzzled by the whole thing, so that was great. Uh, Chevelle uh, played, Saliva played. So the Saliva guy set a record for the most times he said, Hell yeah, you're incredible, and Portland, you really know how to rock. I mean, really, it was like every four <laughs> seconds. Like at a certain, at a certain, and he kept his go to line, the guy from Saliva, and they did that click, click, boom song. The Saliva guy just kept saying, Really, what an unpleasant band name that is. Let's just cop to that right now. It's just, I have to go to the dentist. Though. It's just a bad name. Well, it was saliva. I mean, it's just I a bad. It's a bad name. But he kept saying like, "Give me a hell yeah," you know. And it's and my wife at one point said like, "You know, how many hell yeahs do we have to get? Like, is he low on hell yeah somehow? Do his does his hell yeah supply have to be replenished?" Um, but they were good. Uh, we left right before Incubus because we wanted to beat the traffic. But I guess apparently they were really really great. I'm not like the biggest Incubus fan, but apparently they were great. Court and Fatboy did a lot of the show intros, and they. Man, th- th- they were really fantastic. Here was the greatest moment from uh, Court and Fatboy at Rockfest yesterday. Two great moments, actually. One, they were broadcasting from this huge tower that was probably 200 feet off the ground, like higher than the higher than the top of the stage. Uh, you know, there's the stage, and then there's the catwalk. So they were broadcasting from basically, it was like one of those guard towers at Alcatraz. Court and Fatboy are broadcasting from this tower that was like way, way up at the top of the skinny ladder. Um... So they're going, Court's climbing all the way up the ladder with his food in one hand, gets about a third of the way up, just completely slips, falls all the way to the ground, (laughs) (laughs) covered in dinner. That was genius. Now he's fine, so I can laugh about it. Second greatest moment, Court and Fatboy go on. Uh, They're uh, introducing, um, I think they were introducing, uh, I think it might have been Saliva. It might have been somebody else, but Court and Fatboy go on stage and... The crowd, you know, and you know how there's, 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 there's a bunch of maniacs, they just throw stuff. So Court and Fatboy are standing on stage. The crowd starts pelting them with stuff just because, you know, just because that's what you do. They throw an empty bottle at, uh, an empty plastic bottle at Fatboy. It misses him and lands on the stage, and he just immediately heckles the guy back. And he's like, he's like, hey, if you're going to throw something, you've got to at least hit me. So the, oh, nec- no, no, no. the next thing you know, this full-ass bottle of Gatorade comes sailing out of the audience right toward his face. 
without without a blink, without a beat, he just stands there, puts his hands up, bam, catches it in the air, <gasps> boom, throws it down, spikes it on the stage, and then and then, then he's and then he just throws his hands up and he's like, I'm out, and then he walks up. It was the greatest moment. Good for him. I don't think it got caught on film, but it really was wonderful. That's so, pretty cool. Uh, anyway. So that was it. Was a great time. A bunch of our people were there. A bunch of you know. Anyway, so anyway, so thanks to everybody who came out to support CBS Radio at Rockfest uh, the 12th. I don't know that I have time to tell the terribly awkward story now. We got Lisa Goddard at 11:30, don't we? Yeah. Do I have time to tell the really awkward story? No, no. I think we no. let that have some time to breathe. We can't just solve the and I'm And I'm not even sure about what I'm supposed to say, what I'm not supposed to say, how to phrase it. Because at a certain point, and the the terribly awkward moment that happened at Rockfest was, uh, it, by the way, it was not involving anybody from CBS. There was it was not a CBS employee, but I'm never sure to what extent anybody really knows who we're talking about because we've told a couple stories involving this person, and I never really know if anybody knows who we're talking about. So I don't know if I need to keep up this cloak of anonymity around this person with whom we had this awkward moment. We'll think about it. I hate to be that guy. I hate to be teasing it and then not paying it off. But there there was a really great, terrible moment on Saturday. So I'm, and I want to hear all about it. Yeah, I'm unclear about whether I should uh, continue to keep the other person anonymous or whether I should actually just, I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll I think we'll if you worded it, it the same way that you worded it to me in the car, you should probably keep them anonymous. Okay. But give well, enough of a, of a little taste to the people so that they might be able to figure out who it is. All right, we'll figure it out. Apparently, yes, Morgan Grace is in Cleveland. I thought so. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, they were just, they were un-effing un- believable. They were, they were really, really, really good. Uh, all right, we take a break here. We come back. Lisa Goddard from CNN. Uh, we'll talk more about what happened this weekend. Coming up at noon, it's Tim Riley in the noon news hour. Uh, Jim Roop, all of that coming up. You say there's the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, man, it's the Rick Emerson show. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming by. Uh, I know she's under the gun today, out on the run. What's the other? Out on the gun, under the run, setting the night on fire. There's some lyric there. Uh, let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Goddard. Why, hello, and how are you today? Well, hello to you, sir. How are you? I'm dandy. I know you're uh, you're busy today. Yeah, you know it's just, you know whenever there's big news in the summer, everybody wants a piece of you. Damn stupid news. Stupid so. news, exactly. All right, so you're the, you got to be out by what, forty, something like that? Yeah, forty. So we've we've got a good seven right. and a half minutes. Okay, so here's the thing. So we got actual news, but then I've got uh, something to make you smile. Now, which would you prefer? Oh. Would you prefer the, to start with the, the light uh, or end with it? Yeah, I, I, you know, like like any good Catholic, I like to suffer up front. Fantastic. All right, so let's talk about Alberto Gonzalez. I will not recycle my "we say adios" to Alberto Gonzalez joke, but I uh, I will say that. He's. I just sort of had forgotten about him uh, for the last couple of weeks, but uh, apparently I'm alone in that because uh, now. Uh, what, yeah. Is this a? Uh, is this? A, I would like you to resign so I don't have to fire you, kind of thing. <laughs> no, I think this. He was fired, essentially. Oh, oh, really? So this was not. This was not a. I've decided to spend time with my family. This is a. He's decided to spend time with his family. <laughs> I think so. I, I. You know, it's one of those Washington things. It's a non sequitur. Who knows? Who knows? Whatever way you want to parse it, it's all semantics. But essentially. Gonzalez weeks and weeks ago had said, 
I'll leave when the president wants me to leave. So he did effectively, you know, he, he could have said, no, I'm not going, I'm not going. You can't make me. You can't make me. But it, it doesn't, it doesn't work it, that way. So essentially at this point, the White House said, I think we think it's time for you to go. And he said, I've got the letter right here. Wouldn't you love to see just once, though, somebody do that? Uh, no, I refuse. <laughs> and just literally just, just <laughs> dig their heels in, handcuff themselves to a desk somewhere at the Capitol <laughs> Rotunda and just refuse to go. Fantastic. Just the press conferences that would come from that. Seriously, just a guy literally chaining, manacling himself to his desk and going, I won't! I love my... I want franking privileges! And just <laughs> refusing to refusing to be kicked out. Exactly. That would be fantastic. All right, I'm going to put that into a movie someday. Yeah, it should be. It should be. All right, so... Wait, he, he did... He, he gave the letter, the official letter to the White House Friday, uh, then did have a farewell meal with the President and First Lady over That's the weekend. That's just sad. A, yeah. la a last meal. It was a sort of last meal, uh, and and then, but apparently the New York Times was getting wind of this. We know at least Saturday, and that, there were starting to be a little question marks over the weekend. Not many, but no one could confirm it until this morning. The New York Times broke the story, and then very quickly after that, it was all over the place. I wonder how awkward that last dinner is with the Bushes after you've effectively right. been fired. You know what I mean? Right. They don't do that in radio. Hey, you're fired. By the way, let's go to lunch. Right. They don't do that. Well, it does make you know. I I have a feeling that. Uh, those guys will be having that. That won't be the end of their relationship. They'll be. I think those guys will be be buddies for a while. And who who steps into the void now? Yeah, that's the question, isn't it? They actually, it looks like the Solicitor General right now is going to take over as an as the acting Attorney General. But I think what more people are interested in, of course, is who would, who is the president going to nominate? What what is the plan there? And you know, the truth is, we don't know. There are a lot of names. For a while this morning, we were hearing uh, dep uh, we're hearing a lot about Homeland Security Secretary Michael Chertoff. But it doesn't sound like he's the guy. It's not exact. It's not clear. But uh, he certainly the sources over there have no wind of that. And some Democrats don't like him because oh, he was he headed up uh, that agency when FEMA was underneath him during uh, Hurricane Katrina. So, well, all right. so he's got go. that on him. But I think it's going to be probably a longtime Republican stalwart, someone who hasn't been controversial, uh, kind of a, a, a kind of a Republican workhorse type guy, someone who has been a prosecutor or in, probably was a prosecutor now making a ton of money in some private firm uh, who's known for being a workhorse. It's going to be somebody dull. Just say it. Someone boring. <laughs> yes. That is the answer, exactly. Right. Probably they are going for someone boring. It would be interesting if they chose someone like a Patrick Fitzgerald, you know, who even uh, prosecuted one of their own. That would be a, an ama amazing statement, but I, I don't think they're going to do that. That's not going to happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let me just add, you may have already seen this. Have, have you seen the South Carolina contestant for Miss Teen USA? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, so you have seen it. Oh my! You know, and I, I am so dismayed. I, having lived in South Carolina for five years, I just All right. oh. So uh, Sarah and Tim have not seen this yet. Oh my! So and we'll, been making us wait for we're it. We're going to listen to it now. Uh, well, oh, you, so fantastic! You, you'll get to hear. You'll get to hear it again, and they'll get to hear it for the first time. So this is at the Miss Teen USA pageant. I had like a thousand people send this to me. The Miss Teen USA pageant. This is, I don't even know her name. Dumb girl from South Carolina. Um, it should go without saying, she is uh, very blonde with uh, porcelain skin. N really just a brain like an egg timer, though. I mean, just unbelievably dumb. So let's listen now. Uh, I'll leave the, the question in. They, they pose, and I think the question, to be fair, is BS. 
They said, yeah. like, studies show that one-fifth of Americans can't find the United States on a map. Why is this? I think that's a stupid question because even as dumb as Americans are, that's probably not true. But just when you think that nothing can be dumber than the question, her answer is, I mean, it's just genius. So this is... Um, Miss Teen USA, or, or the contestant for Miss Teen USA, from South Carolina over the weekend. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have them and uh, I believe that our ed education like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq everywhere like such as and I believe that they should uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries so we will be able to build up our future for our Thank you very much, South Carolina. Thank you. Thank you, what? South Carolina. It was genius. The, the best part is the Iraq. Oh. Let's just hear the answer portion one more time. I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps. And uh, I believe that our ed education, don't like have such maps. as South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere, like such as, and... I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries so we will be able to build up our future for our Thank you very much. The best South part Carolina. is the, how she trails off by saying for our children and how if you watch the video of that, you can tell that there is just, I mean, really, there's like, a, there's like one lone marble rolling around up there. <laughs> well, it is nice that she wants to help. South Africa and the Iraq and all the <laughs> And the U.S. Americans, don't forget. Who don't have maps. The U.S. Americans, because we don't have maps. Ah, uh, genius. So, all right. See, I always like to put a smile on your face at the end. All right. Lisa Goddard. Thank you, sister. Such as. All right. There you go. Lisa Goddard, ladies and Enjoy the rest of your day, Lisa. Okay, guys. Bye. Right, such as. All right. There's uh, Lisa Goddard from the uh, Such As. And the Iraq. That's awesome. Fantastic. I really don't even know what could top that today. It's 503-733-2970. Rick, I think they should pick Ed Meese. Is Ed Meese still alive? I don't even know. Oh, Rick, this email says, Miss Teen USA is not as smart as an egg timer. An egg timer can count down from 60 accurately. Just just so you know. Yeah, that is true. Uh, all right. It's 503-733-2970. Okay, here's what I got, sir. Yes, sir. We've got... Um, we can talk to Scotty about what he did on his vacation. We have this stack of observations I wrote down over the weekend about or, all kinds of things, or I have the most awkward story ever. I'd say number three. Of course you would. All right, so... Okay, so I made a decision for the break. I will not identify the other person. I will simply say um, the other person is a... Uh, uh, he's, an un uh, he's, he's another broadcaster in Portland. How about that? Okay. Is that, I mean, do you feel like that's do you feel like that's uh, vague enough? Mm-hmm. So the other the other person is another broadcaster in Portland about whom we've talked a few different times um, in various contexts. And you'll know, by the way, that I have never uh, 
I have never clarified who it is, nor nor will I, because that would be inappropriate. So it's another another broadcaster in Portland of the uh, of the fairer sex. So it's a, uh, it's a right? weird thing to say. Oh, well, what is it? I, a woman. A woman. There you go. It's a girl. Uh, a female broadcaster in Portland about whom uh, we've had a couple of conversations. And so how to get the background on this real quickly. Yeah, because so, you haven't told me anything about this. You just told well, me. Well, so, so this is a, probably like the third time or fourth time that we've talked about this person after some sort of encounter with her. Uh, the, the first time was when I described, um, and this is years ago now, um, I described having a dream in which I uh, was kissing this person in a phone booth for some reason, and I never really figured out why that was, because I think when I had the dream, I don't even think I'd really ever met her. I don't even think I'd ever actually seen or talked to her in person when I had the dream, so that's kind of weird. Um, so years ago... That's when I first mentioned this, that I had this dream uh, about kissing this person on a phone booth, which is just really, it was, and never happened again. It was just like this weird one-time dream. Um, we'll skip ahead to running into this person at the Vanilla Ice uh, show back on 7707, mm -hmm. uh, a couple months ago this year. We ran into this, this uh, female broadcaster who I believe she had had... Uh, Many, many drinks. Was drinking many beers, as Campbell Scott says in singles. Had been drinking many this beers at that the time. Bathroom. <laughs> and so I ran into her at Vanilla Ice, and uh, you hear about that phrase about when someone corners you, but it really almost never involves an actual corner. At Vanilla Ice, it really did involve a corner. I was at the top of the staircase, and I was texting Sarah, who was at a bar down the street, and I was like, hey, Vanilla Ice is getting ready to go on stage. You should be back here in like 20 minutes. we got to intro him so, you know, because Sarah had ducked out to like kind of get some air to because Vanilla Ice is very crowded. And so I was texting Sarah to be like, hey, Vanilla's going on in like 20 minutes. You know, you try to be back here around midnight and we'll introduce him. So I'm standing in an actual corner and this female broadcaster walks up the stairs. And I didn't even recognize her for a second. She was wearing like a hat or something. She had her hair kind of hidden. And, um, and she kind of said, hey. And I went, oh, hi, it's you. And then she just stood uncomfortably close to me, like sort of British close, like about seven inches away. And like so close that I could actually feel her breath as she exhaled. And then she just sort of gave me like a long, unbroken, rabbit-like stare. And she just sort of stared into my face, saying nothing, doing nothing. It, what seemed like an eternity. This is uh, at Vanilla Ice this happened. Just stand, So imagine someone standing about seven inches away from you. Just looking you right in the eye fixedly, not doing anything, just sort of swaying back and forth side to side drunkenly. And then after what seemed like 10 or 12 hours of that, she just leaned forward and gave me like the full, the full body hug, like the full arms wrapped, this wasn't cinching down. This was Vanilla Ice? This was at Vanilla Ice. Gave me the full body hug to which, and I didn't really hug back. I just sort of, you know, like that sort of hug back you do like, yeah. well, well, yeah, yes, I... I like you too. You know, just that sort of because you don't really want to hug back. Because then you, like, you can sense sometimes with a person that if you hug back, it's a hug that's never going to end. You know what I mean? Like it's late enough at night, and they've been drinking enough that that hug's just going to go on for an eternity. And eventually, the fire department will have to come up and, and cut the person off of you. So I sort of passively hugged back a little bit, and then I think I made, and, and then she was making awkward conversation with me, and then I think you showed up. And I sort of took advantage of that opportunity to just get addle upstairs and to get back, get back state where I could be by myself. Um, okay, so fast forward now to yesterday at Rockfest. So my wife and I 
And that's key to this part of the story, by the way. My wife and I are at Rockfest. And we're going to that, uh, there's like this sort of VIP uh, area. It wasn't like, it wasn't at the backstage area. It was sort of the, like there was the, the general, like, general uh, admission area where like every, you know, just like the regular crowd like was. Like a beer garden or something? Yeah, that's kind of what it was. Okay. I mean, it was like the VIP where like, con- like contest winners and stuff go. Like it wasn't backstage or behind the stage or where. Like, so it was radio VIP. It was a radio VIP, <laughs> which is not, not really all that impressive. Okay. So yeah, it was sort of the mid-level. It wasn't general admission, but it wasn't like where you really want to be, which is like backstage where like they have the good food. This was sort of, yeah, it was like a beer garden with like a big inflatable, you know, party like a rock star thing and, and like a bunch of free cornbread. So... We wander into there because that's where the drink line is the shortest. So we go into there, and we walk by a table, and lo and behold, who's there, as my wife and I walk by, but this female broadcaster. And she sort of looks up, and she goes, hi, Rick. And I said, why, hello, you. How are you? And then she gets up, sort of elbows my wife out of the way ever so slightly, and gives me like the full-on hug, like three inches in front of my wife. And I said, well, it's... It's good to see you two. And so I turn to my wife, and I say, um, so, uh, hey, uh, you know, Lara, this is so-and-so. And so-and-so, this is my wife, Lara. And so I don't really know what I expected the person to say at this point. And, again, it's so awkward not, not using her name, but I want to bet. So I don't really know what I expected her to say. But introducing her to my wife and then introducing my wife to her and then immediately, what is the first thing out of the person's mouth? She goes, yeah, you know, your husband really has a big crush on me. Oh, jeez. To my wife. Had she been drinking? Well, here's the thing about that, Sarah. I'm unclear about whether she's always been drinking or whether she's just always crazy and has also sometimes been drinking on top of that. I think she's one of those things all the time and then occasionally the other one just to spice it up a little bit. Sometimes it's crazy with a side of drunk. Sometimes it's drunk with a side of crazy. Yeah, because I say inappropriate things. That sounds like... Yeah, but you know, but that's different. You and I both know that's different. And you know what? Laura knows it's different. Laura actually made that observation later. She's like, you know, it's one thing when Sarah says something, because you and I have a certain kind of relationship. And to be fair, you and Laura have, you know, you've known each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. You have a certain relationship. And it's just sort of, you know, there are different levels of that. And so, yeah, I introduced her to my wife, and the first thing the person says is, yeah, your husband has a big crush on me. And so I and so I immediately try to play it back as sort of a joke, and I say, "Well, honey, in, in reality, it's that so and so actually has a has a really ill concealed crush on me. That's kind of where this is coming from." And then I sort of, you know, ha ha ha. That sounds like flirting. Yeah, see, it really wasn't, and I was kind of making the the, the eye contact with Laura, like, you know, we're in crazy zone. You know, it's <laughs> please pay no attention. You really want to be talking about this? So I try to, so I totally try to play it off as like, well, it's really, be-, and I'm doing that whole. The body language is like leaning toward the let's let's walk away. So I'm like, well, it's really honey. It's that she has a crush on me. We we should go. And so, so we we start to walk off. And I forget what the other person said leading up to this. But she, the other person to my wife, then made some comment about you know, well, Rick tries to pretend he's not in love with me, but he is. And I'm sort of like, okay, you know, we gotta go. Honey, let's get out of here right now. Because my wife had had a couple at that point. Oh, yeah. And I could totally sense the, you know, I could just totally sense the claws coming out on both sides. It was just a weird, like, awkward moment. And so this is what it all uh, leads up to. Lara, God bless her, says to this person, Lara says, well, it's okay. You know, I I don't really worry about it because you guys guys do work in separate, uh, you know, in separate companies now, which is fine. Waits like half a second. And then Lara goes, Laura says right to her face. Laura goes, well, you guys do work at separate companies now. Pause. Of course, you working at the lesser of the two companies. 
What? <laughs> That's what Laura said right to her, like right in, right to her face. It was just like a little, uh, like right there, right in the ribs. And I, at that point, I'm like, okay. And I literally did that sitcom thing, like hands on my wife's shoulders, turned her away, and like started like walking away with her. Like, let's go find some of that rock star beverage. So it was, it was, I, at any moment, I just sensed fisticuffs. I really sensed it was all just going to go to hell. Yeah. It's just going to be a huge conflagration right there. So those were good times for everybody. So, so what happened? Did she say anything back? No, no, I I don't know. We we left. We walked off. So it's all very exciting. I am so glad I was not there. Oh, it was the most awkward moment ever. But it was just, and it was just that my wife just said it was just like the perfect, like, uh, see you next Tuesday kind of, uh, kind of inflection. So if I don't work, I don't worry about you now that you work at separate companies. You working for the lesser of the two companies. What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know, but it sounded great. It really did. It really, in a really perverse way, I was sort of proud of her at that moment because it was just like a little end of, oh, right there in the ribs. Ah, oh, there you go. Fantastic. Oh man. So there you go. See what you missed by not being at Rockfest. That and the saliva guy saying, you know, hell yeah. Oh, and then they introduced the song called Broken Sunday. Uh, saliva, and I kind of went into Rockfest 12. Being sort of a, um, I don't know, kind of a casual fan of that band. I hate saying the word saliva over and over. Uh, but being kind of a casual fan, and I don't really know if I'm, I don't know, I think I may be an, an even more casual fan now. Because he just, it, first of all, that Click Click Boom song they wrote, they've rewritten now about three different times, calling it something else each time. But every time it's just that song. It really is just that song with different lyrics. That, and when the guy introduced... Uh, Broken Sunday. I swear to God, I had a, wish I had a recording of this. I think they were broadcasting part of it live. But I don't think this is on tape. I wish I had a recording of the guy because he actually he introduced Broken Sunday as Broken Sunday. It was like the full-on like Trey Parker kind of a thing. So, all right. Um, I don't think I have time to do anything else here. I think we're going to have to break. So we Maybe we can start the news hour at the proper time. No, you're crazy. No. No, crazy. you're nutty. All right. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley at the top of the hour with the noon news hour later on. Clyde Lewis, CNN Radio Correspondent James Roop. Uh, a man named Ed uh, will be here with his top five. We'll do whatever happened to and a double penis watch. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson, running a program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming by. Coming up later on, CNN Radio Correspondent James Root. A guy named Ed comes in to do his top five. Uh, Clyde Lewis coming up today. I'm not sure if we're talking to Peter Carlin or not. Scotty, are we talking to Peter Carlin today? I can never tell with that guy. Uh, he's got some new column. He just excoriates that new David DeCovey. Apparently, David DeCovey's back to being the suck. He was good for like for about three months earlier this year, and I guess he's about to be terrible. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. For the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Two fellows have been shot in a tiger department. It happened on Brighton Hill at 4 o'clock this morning. A woman opened the department door. And she recognized another woman outside. When the door opened, a man rushed in and shot two guys inside. One of the two suffered one gunshot wound each, and those injured are, have non-life-threatening injuries. 
apparently there are no uh, signs of the suspect. They sent some dogs in. They couldn't find them either. So uh, the people are described as being distraught. So a guy just ran in and shot some people and ran away? Yeah. In Tigard? Mm-hmm. I didn't think things like that were supposed to happen in Tigard. Well, big city crime has come to Tigard. South, Southeast's biggest export. I did have some uh, news here from Southeast. Of course too. you do. Uh, this, can, this should be of concern to both of you. Oh, great. A Southeast Portland man bicycling to work. I'm saying Southeast Portland. Bicycling to work was attacked by a mob of thugs who beat him and stole his bike. Uh, Dave Miller, who works at Graveyard Ship, was riding his bike down the Springwater Trail around 10 o'clock, which is probably not the best idea. What is the Springwater Trail? I don't know. There's something in Southeast. It's that one right between, like, Omsi and uh, the Selwood Bridge. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know yeah. what that is. Yeah, I don't go. I don't ever go. No, when a mob of uh, 15 thugs assaulted him. No, that's how, but that's how the, where the trains don't run, as they say. Yeah, it's pretty during the day, but at night. What, no, no, Stickville? No, no. no, I've done that during the day with uh, with Laura, but I've never, yeah, at night, that just seems like a that seems like a poor idea. Well, don't go there. No, no, don't, don't do that. Uh, Tillamook County man fell to his death while hunting for his brother. Uh, they received a call that uh, 50-year-old William Harrison uh, was looking for his brother and fell down a cliff 250 feet while he was bow hunting. And uh, that's not so. Don't go look for your brother in case he gets lost. Don't fall off a cliff. Seriously, and don't go bow hunting either. That's stupid. Too. Why don't you step into at least 1950? What, what are you hunting with a bow? Uh, I, I don't really know. Ted Nugent. Do you I hear the people put an apple on their head? Or? <laughs> You're hunting William Tell's wife. Uh, a man from the Coovers in custody after keeping the cops at bay with a machete for several hours until the SWAT team threw tear gas into his face. Uh, 39-year-old Phil Harwell then uh, took off from the house on U Street and was arrested without incident. The situation began after several 911 calls were made about a man carrying a machete around yelling and making threats to people. Well, that would get me calling, even in the coup. When police arrived last night, a Harwell ran into the house holding a knife. Attempts to contact him weren't successful, so in with the tear gas. Nobody else get hurt. Uh, Harwell's under arrest and being held in Clark County Jail. Yeah. It seemed like they were exporting a whole lot of crazy these days. I mean, it's not just... Well, that's Vancouver. I mean, but I mean, really. It's like a city full of Southeast Portland Heights. <laughs> it's a macrocosm. And fat middle-aged men. <laughs> macrocosm of my city. Speaking of Vancouver, by the way, we were at the Soapbox Derby on Saturday. It should be noted for the record that I live about eight minutes away from Mount Tabor. Mm-hmm. I, of course, drove. Uh, and I had this whole rationale for it. I, I dreamt up this whole Rube Goldberg excuse about what, because my wife's like, why did you drive? Why didn't you bike to Mount Tabor? I'm like, well, it's, honey, it makes a lot of sense when you really break it down. But I had this whole, uh, this whole rationale for why I drove all the way to Mount Tabor. So I get there, and I'm all, and I'm complaining about being winded from climbing the hill. I'm, oh, it's so hard to climb up these stairs that have been put in right on the side of the mountain. Um, I get to the top, and I meet a listener named Ray, who I swear to God had just biked there from Vancouver. It's like, like where, I'm like, where do you live? And he's like, oh, Vancouver. Like, what did you, did you drive your bike? And he's like, no, I just pedaled here. Takes me about 90 minutes. Good for you. And then he just sort of, and then he didn't say anything. He didn't sort of say, it's good for me, fat ass. He just sort of said, it's good for me. And then just sort of gave me the steady, unblinking gecko gaze. You know what I mean? So the rest was, uh, was all understood. Uh, speaking of pedaling, places where you should be pedaling right now, Highway 18 outside McMinnville is closed due to, an, due to an accident. That was a death trap anyway. A giant wind turbine collapsed in eastern Oregon, causing a worker to fall to his death and another man to be hurt. The man is uh, from Goldendale, Washington, the second from Minnesota. The man from uh, Minnesota was the last one to uh, check out this thing. Apparently, he's in serious condition. There's a whole lot of people dying. Did you see that thing about the hot air balloon that caught on fire? Oh, that spooked me, and I went up in one of those, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, our friend Kara does the. She does the hot. She doesn't do this one. Uh, we should know. Well, this was this one. She, this, hers was in ca- uh, Canada. Her hot air balloons do not catch on fire, right. uh, so to speak. Uh, the uh, no, this was in Canada. Let's see. I've got this. A hot air balloon caught fire and crashed in an RV park and campground, injuring as many as eleven people. That's too many people for a hot air balloon. I think that was overcrowded to begin with. No, no, but that, that, they weren't all in there though. I thought maybe it crashed in the trailer park. How many people I'm sorry, in the balloon? RV park. Well, let's find out. Oh, they, this is the creepy thing. Two other people are unaccounted for. Well, how, wait, how many places could they be? There's a balloon in the air. The balloon falls into a trailer park. Suddenly, and two and people I, are I'm missing. I'm sure those propane tanks exploded. Uh, the cause of the accident wasn't known. Weather conditions were clear at the time of the sunset flight. At least three 30-foot RVs caught fire. Are RVs the same as trailers? Let's establish that right now. Well, they're like a Winnebago. They're upscale trailers. Okay, let me understand this. You, you so, don't park them permanently. You're always on the go. A trailer is an RV, but an RV might not be a trailer. Because an Correct. RV could also be like a mobile home. Right. Okay. Uh, so it's any. Uh, it, it's it's a, an RV park. An RV is any vehicle that is not a permanent residence. Yes. It's a residence that's not. Okay. Right. Um, let's see. At least three 30-foot RVs caught fire. No one was reported hurt in those blazes. Witnesses said, oh, this is so creepy. Wait, do I have, hold on, let me... Well, the whole thing is creepy. I just added some, uh, hold on, let me... No, that's not creepy. Let me, uh, hold on, where's my uh, creepy music? I just added some... That is creepy, okay. This is from you, Tim sent this me. It, it fits the story, right? Witnesses and passengers screamed and jumped to the ground as the balloon's basket caught fire. The balloon reportedly took off from a grassy field with 12 passengers. That does seem like too many. That's too many. The thing went up about 400 feet in the air, at which point it melted through the balloon and collapsed, said Randall, who saw the balloon as it was on its way up and took pictures of the fiery scene. The basket was basically a fireball and just dropped like a stone. I'm thinking, geez, I hope there's nobody in that thing. It's basically a burning death trap up there, he said. (laughs) I'm sorry. The idea that it's a burning death trap followed by, oh, geez. Fifteen ambulances, two air ambulances, I'm sorry, fifteen, uh, two air ambulances, eight fire trucks raced to the scene. At least two vehicles were damaged. The hot air balloon was one of several balloons in flight at the time. Yeah, you shouldn't put that many people in a balloon. No, I, so, Scotty, Scotty I mean, has like a... piling laundry into one of those baskets. Scotty does have a fair point about don't they crash slowly? Couldn't people get out of the way? But I guess if the whole, because the balloon didn't pop, like that balloon doesn't, pop it just sort of well, burns it, well it, it it kind of did from the flames really it, it, it kind of buckled and what happened was when people jumped out of it because there was less weight in the basket it, it made the balloon go up quicker oh that's no good mm-hmm. all right is that balloon story understandable yes it is i suppose i'm not gonna do it again soon i'm just know. unclear because it freaks you out I'm unclear about the I two people things. On, an, on it, the same thing could happen i'm unclear about the two people who are unaccounted for though like, they don't say whether the two people who were unaccounted for were in the balloon. I believe they were in the balloon because the people jumped out of the in balloon. In the basket. Oh, I... Yeah. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick. Hey. Big City Tiger comes to... Big City Crime comes to Tiger, huh? Yes, sir. Well, um, I guess this morning some people were uh, murdered about... Oh, I don't know. Murdered? Or shot, shot. I don't know if they were killed. I, I haven't heard the whole, the whole thing yet, but they got a... They got the forensics people up there and everything. Now, and this is it's the maybe thing? maybe six yeah, it's maybe sixty feet from my my house. Oh really? Now do you live in a bad neighborhood, sir? 
I apparently I mean, do. Until, apparently, Tigard is a bad neighborhood. Did you say up, and, up until up until last night, did you think you lived in a bad neighborhood? Actually, yes, I have for the last over a year. Well, at least I mean, at least you were right about that. You've had your thoughts confirmed. I, I just I, I I've been trying to tell people forever. This is not. You know, this is not leaving to Beaver neighborhood. No, this is... do you uh, do you ex- do you expect there to be more shootings in the future? Absolutely. All right. Hey, did, then... you, did you now? Did you see? I mean, so this happened down the street from you. Did you like? Did no, no, I... this happened 60 feet from me. Okay, sort of. Wait, like across the street or down the road? No, no. In my, I live in the apartment complex. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, see, I thought it was a. Home. You live in the Brighton Hill apartment complex. I thought it was a, a house. I, I live. I, I live 60 feet from the apartment where it happened. Okay. All right. Yeah. So this is okay. So did you hear it happen? No, unfortunately, well, fortunately, I was asleep. I guess unfortunately, I don't know. But I was, I was on my couch next to the uh, living room window where I probably could have been shot right in the face well, by that's... a straight bullet. I imagine. Uh, <laughs> excellent. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Well, better luck in the future. And let's... Hey, oh, you know about Rockfest? Yes. All I wanted to do was see Incubus with my five-year-old last night. And I, <laughs> and I went there. I went there, you know, late because yeah. I had a little kid. I just got tickets to the last minute. I wanted to go see. They wouldn't let me in. And because why? Because it was because they they was too late or whatever. Oh, maybe they had like maximum capacity or something. I, I, I bug t- pissed me off. All right. They, they saw the neighborhood he's from. Excellent. <laughs> I'm sorry. We've got our maximum number of tigerders here. It would it would have been it would have been worth it if uh, if I'd have got a chance to see you. Apparently there. they did not to not to make you angry, but apparently Incubus did a a flawless cover of Let's Go Crazy by Prince, which is I guess nobody really expected. But apparently I didn't. Have, it makes you feel better. I didn't see Incubus either. I left uh, when Chevelle was on. So. Uh, all right. Well, I'll spread the word regardless. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Mighty white of you. Thank you. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So, I mean, there were too many people in that uh, balloon basket anyway because they wouldn't even let uh, me and Jolie ride in the same balloon. Well, it's, they separated us. Are there different sizes? Like, are there different so. sizes of baskets? Maybe. All right. It's all the balloon thing freaks me out. I mean, it's yeah, not... open one. It's... No. No. See... That's not the ant. That's not how that works. If something terrifies me, the answer is then not to do it. The Loch Ness uh, trip being the sole exception to that. Um, well, the good part is, uh, the balloon ride I went on went over a river. So I was thinking, if this thing ever explodes, at least I'll fall in the water and it will extinguish the plane. Now, but did you? Was that your fear? Let me ask you this: When you're up in the balloon, did, was it unnerving? Do you feel that you're gonna die? Yes. <laughs> I guess that would count as unnerving. Yeah, that just sounds a little It's scary. not like flying in the... You know, the funny thing is, you don't mind flying in an airplane. No. Because... Some of us don't. No, for the most part. Because you think you're safe. Right. But flying in a balloon, it's it's open, and it's a balloon. Balloons can pop. See, my whole thing is... An airplane is, doesn't pop. My whole thing isn't the balloon popping as such. My whole thing is that I just sort of feel like like the twine or whatever that's holding the basket of the balloon is just going to unravel. That's my whole thing. I just picture it being strung together by, you know, immigrants for 15 cents an hour or something. And they've just used a bunch of, like, uh, you know, bad, you know, spools or whatever. They've, you know, they just used the it's lowest common the denominator. In China. Totally, well, yeah, totally. That the lead paint will make it explode. Yeah, because they don't make all that in one factory. There's one factory that makes the balloon, one factory that makes the basket, and another that makes the twine. And then some guy who's the minimum bidder for all of that puts it... Pardon me, puts it together, and I just know I'm going to be up there, and here's the thing. It's not going to break and fall immediately. I'll be up there 9 million feet up on the balloon, and I'm going to look over, and it's going to be doing that unravel. That's that slow unravel like a sweater. And there's really going to be nothing you can do about it at that point. So You could jump. I'd, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what you could do. 
I hadn't really thought about the fact you that like the... You like that, uh, don't you? I really do. Mm-hmm. It's I trans- took some time thinking out. I knew you would. Well, you sent me two. You sent me that one and the suspense one. That's even better. Uh, let's see. Where's the uh, Where's the suspense one? The suspense one is in here somewhere. Oh, wait. Here we go. That's pretty great. It's more of a cliffhanger. This is sort of an action one. Well, people jump from the balloon... Wait, this is sort of a great... The balloon is on fire. Will people jump? Oh, my God. People have jumped. That made me want to listen longer. That's a TSL builder. It really is. Play it more often. That's cumed core is what that is, Tim. All right, here's Jim Riley. Not to be confused with cream corn. Did I finish the story about the uh, wind tower that collapsed? Ah, I'm sorry. Now it won't stop playing. Um, uh, Well, the guy's dead. Yeah. The end. Mm-hmm. The, the worker was... It was a giant tower. It's a whole lot of uh, tower. It's a whole lot of people falling off of high things. And yeah, apparently dead. it buckled in, in half. You're better off in a balloon. It really, stay low to the ground. That's, that's the moral of today's uh, news is stay low to the ground. Well, here's kind of a heartwarming story. A marathon runner was brought back to life after being dead for like eight minutes. Two OSP cops running the uh, Hood to the Coast Marathon saved the life of a runner during the race. At 5.40 in the morning, which is too early to be running, Detective uh, Terry Kesselbarth and Trooper D. Kesselbarth? Mm-hmm. Kesselbarth. And Trooper D. Rosnicki of Asteria were uh, leaving an area near Mist with their team when they found that 68-year-old Kathy Ryan had collapsed in her back in the middle of the road. Uh, the two and another woman who identified herself as a nurse from Kansas found the runner had stopped breathing, breathing and had no pulse. So the trooper began to uh, divert traffic so they didn't run over the lady in the road. And they performed CPR. After about eight minutes, the woman came back to life. Uh, let's see. We don't know her, her condition, but she was transferred to OHSU. So uh, that's good. All right. Two lady police officers. Seriously, somebody asked me, there's a lot of people dying. This is exactly what I just said. All of the deaths today, except for the shooting ones, seem to be from falling off things that are really... Just stay just stay off of things today. Well, I do have a crash in the suicide. Really? Attempt, yes. All right. This is their punishment for trying to climb too close to God. That's the really teenage weird. son of wrestling icon Hulk the Hogan was discharged today from a Florida hospital after he slammed his Toyota Supra into a palm tree at what one local police officer called spectacular. Really? It was fantastic. It was was wonderful. Uh, Nick Bolia, I guess that's uh, Hulk Hogan's real name. That is Hulk Hogan's real name, yes. Uh, 17 years old, was discharged. Uh, His real name is Terrence Bolier. His passenger, of course, is in worse shape. He's in critical condition. Now, Nick Bolier was driving at a high rate of speed last night when he lost control of his yellow car. The car left the roadway, jumped the medium, and crashed into a palm tree and destroyed the car. Firefighters had to use the jaws of life. Sorry. And they had to shut down. The... It was a spectacular wreck, said the police. <laughs> it was genius. Let's see. So, uh, let's see. How Hogan's wife has made a statement. Uh, she said while well, a 17-year-old Nick suffered minor injuries and has been treated and released from the hospital, his friend and passenger, of course, remains hospitalized. Well, that's, that's what that always is. I was just going to say it's always that way. Whenever mm-hmm. a celebrity is in a car wreck, mm-hmm. the celebrity, it's like they got some sort of celebrity force field. The celebrity walks away, mm-hmm. and then the drummer from Hanoi Rocks is mm-hmm. dead. This is how it always happens. Except for James Dean, who didn't have a passenger, so. Well, no, you always got to carry have a, a passenger mm-hmm. with you. That's the moral. If you are a celebrity and you plan to drink and drive, Carry a passenger with you, because God will kill them, and you will be spared. So thoughts and prayers are with this fellow. Yes. Uh, let's see here. So that's that for that one. Now we have the suicide attempt. It is Owen Wilson. Who knows who that is? Owen Wilson? Wait, hold on. Well, I'm trying to figure out which music is appropriate for this. 
Oh, no, I've lost He's the, been a, uh, in a ton of movies from my generation. No, that's not it. I really ought to use the suspense music here. Mm-hmm. If only I could find it. All right, well, we'll... Well, he was the other big part in Wedding Crashers. That's true. And he was also in, um... He was in Zoolander. Yeah, he was in oh, Yumi and Dupree. Right. You know, and here's the... Thank you. Here's the uh, the thing Magic about... The museum. The thing about Owen Wilson is... Okay, first of all, there's like a whole trio of Wilsons, right? There's Luke Wilson, who, as Sarah pointed out, is the squinty guy. They're the new Baldwin. There's Brian Wilson. The, the squinty guy, uh, and who also played... Luke Wilson is best known as being the guy in my... Well, he was in the Royal Tenenbaums. And then he was also the guy in Rushmore to whom... Max Fisher says, oh, are they? He's that guy. The, they're actually OR scrubs. Now, Owen Wilson, who is the surfer dude, the thing about Owen Wilson is he gets a bad rap. And I never thought I would say that, but it is true. Because Owen Wilson, while not a very good actor, and he does seem like a tremendously stupid man. Maybe this is an act. Well, here's the thing, is that people don't know this, but Owen Wilson has actually co-written some really good movies. Owen Wilson co-wrote Rushmore. Owen Wilson also co-wrote the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, and you see an interview with that guy, and he just seems like such a dork. He just seems like such a stoned-out, spicoli surfer guy. But you put him in a room with Wes Anderson, and he just cranks out these amazing, like, well-crafted, intelligent screenplays. But it's like, then you put him, he's like, he's like some sort of weird Mel Tillis. Then you put him on camera, and it's a whole lot of, dude, and that's it. That's the whole thing. So, I'm, I'm sorry. So, this is, this comes to us, by the way, the story originally, I think, the Inquirer, they're the ones who are talking about this story. And a lot of times they're right. They, no, they are right almost all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, more so than Paris Hilton. Absolutely. Okay, so let's, so let's, uh, so go ahead and give the story here. Well, he, he apparently att- attempted suicide. He was transported to St. John's Hospital in Santa Monica yesterday, a little bit about noontime. He sliced both his wrists and took an undetermined amount of pills. He was discovered by a family member who called for help. And let's see, his uh, wrist was uh, bandaged at the hospital. And uh, he was brought there in very serious condition, and the family and his lawyer went. Why they need a lawyer at this point, I don't know. Well, because they need a guy to draft the statement, which they will then claim came from Owen Wilson. Here's the statement from Owen Wilson. Quote, I respectfully ask that the media allow me to receive care and heal in private during this difficult time, unquote. Yeah. You think he really said that? No. No. I, how would he even write it? Well, especially if he was unconscious. Well, how could he write it with his, with his wrist? <laughs> I was going to say, if you've, if really, if you've cut both of your wrists, you're not really writing anything. And if you, did it say what he overdosed on? No. All right. The Maybe thing, later. I mean, the thing is, and I was just lament, and I know that this sounds morbid, but I was lamenting before the show even started today that it always kind of disappoints me when a celebrity tries to kill themselves and isn't successful at it. And Sarah was pointing out uh, that she thought it was a cry for help, and I don't really—it's well, really a letdown. See that? Well, it is kind of a letdown, don't you think? Only because, and again, I'm going to do the Marilyn Monroe thing. Do it right, and you've got to be a woman to make it count. That's what I. Well, Nobody cares if a guy commits suicide. What is the last? What is the last famous? What is the last good celebrity suicide there was? I go to Kurt Cobain immediately, and that's 15 years ago. What about Anna Nicole? Does that count? Well, that was really a murder. Does Anna Nicole count? Anna Nicole, well, we never heard that it was suicide, though. They they never made that ruling, did they? Because she had the the streptococcal infection or whatever the hell that was. Elliot Smith was a big one. Remember the stabbing himself? Oh, or did he? I don't think he did. Oh, what about that singer who uh, hung himself from in a precarious position in Australia? Michael Hutchins? Is that him? I don't know. Yeah. Well, he did, right? He did the autoerotic blah, 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 yeah, whatever yeah. that is. See, that's but again, that's like 13, 14 years ago. I, that almost well, doesn't... anything recent. See, and that doesn't count either because, in my opinion, that is what they call death by misadventure. That is an inadvertent suicide. It's not an act of God. No, it's not. It's like a, That's like a Chris Farley thing where it's like an accidental overdose. 
I would say for me, okay, let's if you don't count Elliot Smith, because many people do not. Many people believe the Elliot Smith thing was actually not a suicide. I, of course, am not a lawyer, so I'm not passing judgment one way or the other. Um, I think if you don't count Elliot Smith, the, the last celebrity suicide that I can think of. Oh, no, there was your man from C-Lab 2021 or whatever. Who was that guy? Oh, that kid doesn't count. No, who was the kid that you grew up watching on Sequest? Oh, Jonathan Brandis. Yeah, he's dead, but I don't even know who he is. Why did he commit he was, suicide? He was in Lady No one knew who he was. No. Yeah, and also he he had like a bit part in a movie, and it was supposed to be like his big comeback role, and they cut it. Yeah. You don't see me wandering around committing suicide every day, do you? <laughs> Um, so, uh, what was I, oh, anyway, so I'm just saying in terms of celebrity stories and celebrity death, I mean, there's celebrity rehab scandals, mm. then there's celebrity death, and in, in the category of celebrity death, celebrity suicide is by far the most interesting. So I'm simply saying, again, I am not wishing for anyone's death, not today, not right now, not this hour, maybe later, day's not over. I'm simply saying, in terms of celebrity death, if a celebrity is going to die, suicide is the most interesting way by which it can happen. So I am always a little disappointed when the, uh, you know, because it seems like we've been denied a really, really great story. Also, he didn't call the paramedics himself. This is why it might not be a cry for help. He didn't call the paramedics himself. Apparently, he took all these pills. I read that he cut one wrist, but apparently now they're saying both. And then some family member found him in time, called the doctor about it. Mm -hmm. So, but then he started thinking, well, like, if you're Owen Wilson... Who, I mean, you know, is, is famous and, you know, a reasonably attractive guy. I mean, good, good looking enough to be banging Kate Hudson, isn't he? So, um, you know, you just kind of wonder what that's all about. It's all very interesting. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? What's up? Uh, Tim is not quite correct. About what? What? You're kidding me. What? No. Uh, Tim, uh, hold on. Are you saying Tim is incorrect about something, sir? A uh, small detail. Indeed. Mmm. That feels yes. so good. Yes. What? Let's see, James Dean did have a passenger. Was the passenger death? No, he was a big old fat German mechanic. This is the first I've heard of this You're story. making this up. No, he was a big fat German mechanic. They were driving a two-seat aluminum-bodied uh, Porsche, and the big fat guy wasn't belted in. He just went flying. But he was there. I, I've never heard that he I've had a passenger. I've never heard that story either. I think you're fabricating this. Okay, go look it up. All right. Okay. Well, bye now. That guy was obstinate, is what that guy was. Yeah. They know what that guy was? Was oh, that the mean guy who, who makes up these numbers of all the things we're mad at and thinks we read his emails? <laughs> There's some guy. Oh, no, the corrector? Yeah, the, the corrector, he doesn't know this, but all his emails go directly in my trash. <laughs> and, and he writes these long, insulting essays to me every day. No. And thanks, I read them. Oh, no, he sends those to me, too. I've actually. So, so I have his email address and his ISP address and directly to the trash and everything he writes. We should correct him on the notion that his emails are being read or yeah. cared about. Let's correct you right now. <laughs> we don't read your crap. <laughs> Enjoy your life. Go get one of your own. <laughs> Fantastic. Best show ever. Mm -hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello? Hi. Yeah, there was that little guy, uh, that Mitchie guy that was on NCIS, just starting to make it big. Just This was within months ago, like six months, nine months ago, something like that. I'm not even sure I know who that is. What was his name? I don't remember what his name was, and but he was just starting to make it big, you know, one of the little people. What? And Billy he was Barney? One, of the, one of the more well-known ones, uh -huh. a real good actor and everything, and his... Uh, Oh, I can't remember what his wife was in. She was in something, too. But he was just starting to make it bigger on NCIS, and then for some reason he just up and offed himself. Really? And Yeah, it, it tore the whole crew apart on NCIS. They had a big old uh, 
you know, wake and everything, and oh, everybody you know, was all okay. bummed out. You know who? You know who else did this? You're reminding me of somebody. You know who else killed themselves? Ray Combs, the host of uh, of uh, Family Feud, the guy oh, who hosted yeah. Family Feud between Richard Dawson and Louis Anderson. Yeah. All right, excellent. I'll uh, I'll look that guy. Oh, Richard Jenny, the guy just emailed us. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the call. Okay. All right, thank you. Oh yeah, we already forgot about See, that one. See that guy? See that's that's how you that's how you phrase and construct and execute a polite call mm-hmm. uh, without sounding like a dick. Uh, yeah, Richard Jenny, that, that comedian. Oh, Brad Delp from Boston. Brad Delp from Boston. See see how quickly if you're on the B list that your suicide is forgotten. Yeah, it really is true. You got to be an A list suicide. Yeah, or it's got to be a really interesting suicide. Do you know what I mean? Like if you like uh, uh, I don't know like strapping yourselves with explosives and jumping off a building and blowing yourself up half the way down mm-hmm. during rush hour on Sunset Boulevard that'd be interesting I'd remember you then mm-hmm. Hi you're on the Rick Emerson show Hi there Hey I concur James Dean did have a passenger and the story I read he was uh, discovered wandering around in the days shortly after the accident I'm um, right Common now. knowledge right you guys should know that Oh it's common knowledge Sure everybody knew it but us. Everybody's a James Dean expert. Two of us did. All right, I'm looking it up right now. Hold on a second. Let's see. Hold on just a second. Don't go anywhere. His his name was Rolf. He was thrown from the car, survived with a broken leg and serious head injuries, but he did survive. How come they don't talk about him? I don't know. He's the lost lost guy. Mm -hmm. He's the... uh, once again, common knowledge. Oh, no, okay, now you're just being a jerk. All thank right. you very much. Right, thank you. <laughs> Bye. Now you're spiking the ball, Now here's uh, Ralph Somebody from Salinas. Ralph Somebody from Salinas. I can't pronounce his last name, which is probably why he's not remembered. You're having like an Art Fern moment. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, Hervé Villachez. He was in Villachez. the car with James Dean. Yeah, he was in, he was in the glove box. Oh, he was the third passenger. <laughs> he, was in, he was in the rumble seat. Um... He was in that little jockey box between the front seats. No, um, no, Herbe Villages, did he hang himself? Or, or he, he uh, did something. He took pills or something. Ah, but the, the irony is, this guy did die in a car accident, his passenger, but it was in a separate accident in 1981. Really? So there. No, that, see, you know, that's totally where, like, God was trying to kill them both, mm-hmm. but he only hit James Dean, and then later he tracks the guy down. Just like he tried to kill Sarah on Hawthorne. Will today. you stop that? No, it's true. I only tell you because I want you to be aware that he... He didn't kill you. Did anybody crash at the soapbox derby? Uh, my friend actually rolled. Really? Oh, he dead? Is it on video? No, he's wearing a helmet. <laughs> I don't know if anybody got it on video, actually. Uh, okay. Nobody got the moment on video of uh, uh, Fatboy catching that bottle on stage at Rockfest, either. Oh, well. Uh, Rick, don't forget about the actor from Suddenly Susan who hung himself in a hotel room. Who is that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. My first thought was Andy Dick, but that's not Andy Dick. No, he's still very much alive. Seriously, nothing can kill that guy. Andy Dick is impervious. I do believe Andy Dick may be the fabled Antichrist. Nothing can kill that guy. Uh, really, is that true? Scotty owns the Fantasy Island box set. Why? Why in the name of Jehoshaphat would you own the... the fa- Never mind. Don't answer. I don't care. Scotty was typing angrily to me earlier that, that trailers are not RVs. So like, They're not RVs! I used to sell those. Mm-hmm. I, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Uh, let's see, Eagle Song, James Dean, uh, in the lyrics, uh, little James Dean up on the screen, wondering who he might be, long came a spider, picked up a rider, took him down the road to eternity. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. There you go, that's Joe. All right. I think we can consider the James Dean matter closed. The matter of the Rick Emerson show versus James Dean is adjourned. Quit calling about it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 
Steph, Rick, I got one. The guy from, uh, oh, took over for, uh, uh, MacGyver. Choking, Uh, what? Took over for MacGyver? Yeah, the first guy from MacGyver. For six episodes, he killed himself. I don't even, now, now I feel that, now I feel dumb, because I don't even know that. Before Scott Bakula? Yeah, before Scott Bakula took over for him. Huh. Uh, now I gotta Google something else. Hold on. Jesus, stay on the phone, sir. We need to have some sort of noise for when we're Wikipediaing things. Hmm. MacGyver. You know what sucks is Wikipedia's um, spell check function. You know, I it, like there's so many things that have great spell check function. Wikipedia, if you're off by one letter in Wikipedia, it will not find what you're looking for. All right, let's see. Hold on. Um, I'll see. Now we're just getting information about. Um, now we're, it's just giving us the information about the MacGyver fictional character. I'm trying to find the... Uh, okay, here we go. Wait. No. 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 Well, now I can't Now I can't find it. Okay, but there was some guy who, who played MacGyver for six episodes and then killed himself. Yep. All right. Okay. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to look into it. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet, Rick. All right. There you go. So there was Richard Dean Anderson, but then... Let's see. Career. No, I got nothing. And Scott Bakula isn't the guy in MacGyver, oh, then there, was, there, there was somebody else on one of those type of shows that I guess one of the stunts on set was for him to have a gun with, with blanks in it. And apparently he held it to his head, pulled the trigger. Unfortunately, there was a lot of ammo in it. Now, I don't remember that. See, for a minute I thought you were talking about the Brandon Lee thing. There was a guy that had three names. And then there was a guy who did that on the Golden Gate Bridge at one point. No, different guy. There was a guy years ago who was trying to do some sort of stunt on videotape. Um, and he was like, hey, look at this. And it was a fake gun, but he didn't know that the air pressure that comes out, when you, when you fire a blank, mm -hmm. the hot gas and air pressure still is sufficient that it actually oh. drove a section of his skull, like, into his brain. Mm -hmm. um, oh, wait, hold on. Okay, we got a MacGyver. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Um, this is Matt, back from Hawaii. Hey. Um, Richard Dean Anderson was MacGyver. Scott Bakula was Quantum Leap. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I knew it wasn't so. Scott Bakula. But, oh, yeah, I'm, that was totally but, my bad. Sarah, yeah. But what, about, but what about Richard Dean Anderson? I don't I know anything about that. I I'm always knew him as MacGyver. Okay, yeah, to me too. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that guy is wrong. I'm just saying I don't, I've, never, I've never heard of that. Yeah, but whatever happened to the guy that was the original father on Rockford Files before Rocky? One episode, and that guy disappeared. Ah, uh, see, now I, we're just, I didn't want to really. Yeah, brain we're, in. we're taking an AP class now. You know what I mean? All right, <laughs> we're just really we're, we're in advanced placement. Thank you. All right. All right. Jesus. Who? How did this start? How did this? How did this? Oh, it was because of goddamn Owen Wilson. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, I guess you guys already talked about Tattoo offing himself with a shotgun, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Richard Dean Anderson is still alive and well. He's on Stargate. Okay, so he's not dead. No, he's on Stargate. Okay. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, uh, so, Scott all right. is still alive, and uh, the only guy on Quantum Leap to off himself was Scott Bakula's second half, the older guy. Okay. And I can't remember his name, but now I know he's dead. Hey, you know who Ravey last words? Uh, no. Depressed! Depressed! <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Bye. Fantastic. Best audience ever. We should break. We'll come back. More of your suicide calls around the corner. Happiest show ever. Uh, Tim Riley continues with the new news hour later on. Jim Roop, a guy named Ed, comes in with his top five. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Clyde Lewis and so forth. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Radio program. That's not true. It is the Rick Emerson Radio program. I'm sorry. Yes, it is, Tim. For shame, Rick Emerson. I was just looking at the screen. Did Brian Keith from Family Affairs shoot himself? I think he committed suicide. Scotty J says, uh, Brian Keith went out shotgun style. I knew that, what's her name, Buffy? You know, it's funny, I don't even really know her name. It's just Buffy. I don't even remember the name of the girl. It's just Buffy from Family Affair. Nobody calling her with her name. I don't care that much. Brian Keith, he says, Family Affair guy, uh, died shotgun style. Well, I'll just assume it's true until someone tells me otherwise. Final celebrity suicide call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. I just wanted to remind you of Hunter S. Thompson. She totally. plays on the phone with his wife. Yeah, Hunter S. Thompson. And while, and while typing out a suicide note, uh, which his suicide note is great, by the way, because it references, I think, suicide, something about his family, presidential elections, and the Super Bowl all at once. Well, so. and his daughter committed suicide ten weeks before her dad did. Who? Brian Keith's daughter. Really? Named Daisy. That whole... Uh... Oh, crazy people. That whole uh, yeah, that, that whole that whole family affair thing is just cursed. Excellent. All right, thank you, Ryan. Thank you. All right. Uh, ba ba Owen Spalding Gray. So there you go. Da 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 ba 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 ba. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it's apology time. Time to find Jesus or whatever. Yeah. Guess who's in the news? Well, you know who it is. It's uh, Michael Vick. Who's uh, making all kinds of apologies today? I was not honest and forthright in our discussions. Oh. I was ashamed and uh, totally disappointed in myself. Oh, this guy just fills me with the urge to say vomit. Least. Oh, serious. I just, I just want to see that guy just savagely beaten, as do we all. It's time for him to apologize to the NFL and the Atlanta Falcons. I want to personally apologize to Commissioner Goodell, Arthur Blank, Coach Bobby Petrino, my Atlanta Falcon teammates. You know, for our, pre- for our previous discussions that we had. And don't forget about all your young fans. I want to apologize to all the young kids out there for my immature acts. And, yes, uh, they're youthful and discretion. What I did was very immature, so that means... It was immature. I need to grow up. It was immature. No, you know what? Not inhumane, immature. Seriously, it, not like sociopathically violent, pathological behavior. Yeah. No, it was just immature. It's just like boosting a six-pack of Fago from the store. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's just like... Uh, like leaving a bag of flaming poo on someone's porch. It, it, it wasn't like it exhibited it like com- it completely and totally psychopathic behavior. Uh, it's time to apologize more to the children. I'm more disappointed in myself than anything is because of all the young people, young kids that I've let down who look at Michael Vick as a role model. He could possibly look at Is that a separate person? Let me see. That sounded, play the first sound bite just a little bit and then play just a little bit of that one. Okay. So here's the here's the. I was not honest and forthright. Okay, now play that that last clip you just played. More disappointed in myself than anything because of all the young people, young kids. Is there more than one Michael Vick? Look at Michael Vick as a role model. He talks. Is he talking about himself in the third person? Yes, he is. 
And it sounds like someone else. No, it's him. Are you sure there aren't there aren't body doubles of Michael Vick floating around about there? It's time to oh. find Jesus. Through this situation, I found Jesus. Oh. And I swear to I God. Ask him for forgiveness. Let's turn my life over to God. Oh, that guy just be taken out back and beaten with a sack of hammers. Maybe we'll do it in prison. Oh, I hope I so. The responsibility for my actions and what I did, and now I have to pay the consequences for it. Oh man. Oh, old. Just to be there. Just to be there when he gets beaten down the first time. Just, just, you know. And I got. And I think Dennis Miller was making this point today. Um, you know, people can just bump their gums all they want about whether well, just dogs or not people. But you know what? It, those guys, like those, if he ever plays in the NFL again, which he will probably not. And of course, he said nobody's ever going to get that guy to do like uh, Nike told him to go get stuffed. I saw the uh, the press release from Nike where they told him to just to go take a flying leap. Uh, everybody else kicked him to the curb. I think he ever manages to somehow squeak into the NFL again at what I'm sure will be a vastly reduced salary. You know, guys who, uh, you know, guys who play football and guys, you know, guys, period, uh, guys really do love their dogs. And I got to tell you what, the first time somebody gets a chance to just break that guy's spine, it's going to happen. Yeah. And I, for one, will, uh, I, for one, will toast the person who does it. So, uh, F that guy. The Atlanta owner, Arthur Blank, says uh, Michael Vick is still part of the team. Uh-huh. Cutting him may feel better today emotionally for us and many of our fans, but it's not in the long-term best interest of our franchise. Of course, it's not in the, it's not in the long-term best interest because if, they, because if they keep him, if they keep him but don't play him, if I under, as I understand this correctly, if they, if they cut him right now, they're going to lose a lot of money, but if they keep him, they will be able to recoup a lot of their bonus that they're, they're going to pay him. In other words, if they keep him but don't play him, they won't have to play out, uh, pay out a lot of the bonus money that they're going to have to. So I think they're going to save. Because I think, I think the NFL, I think the Falcons are trying to get like $22 million back out of that guy's ass. So uh, anyway. They aren't able to cut their ties with Michael Vick. This is not as simple as standing here today and telling you we're terminating Michael's rights. We simply cannot do that. It's not in our fans or our franchise's long-term best interests. Uh, no. Yeah, whatever. All right. Alberto well, Gonzalez has resigned. He's no longer the Attorney General. He is the nation's first Hispanic Attorney General, serving two and a half years. Prior to that, he was the White House Counsel. Gonzalez will exit September 17th. He made a brief statement at the Justice Department today. As Attorney General and before that as White House That's Counsel, I often remind our fellow citizens that we live in the greatest country in the world. And that I have lived the American dream. Even Could my worst fired. days as Attorney General have been better than my father's best days. I guess they're better than Michael Vicks. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, uh, thank the President. Public service is honorable Except and noble. And I am profoundly grateful to President Bush for his friendship and for the many opportunities he has given me to serve the American people. Well, okay. The Justice Department does excellent work each and every day. Let me say that it's been one of my greatest privileges to lead the Department of Justice. I have great admiration and respect for the men and women who work here. Yes, uh, the President accepted his resignation. Al Gonzalez is a man of integrity, decency, and principle. And I have reluctantly accepted his resignation. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're doing good work there, Brownie. As <laughs> Attorney General, and before that, as White House Counsel, Al Gonzalez has played a critical role in shaping our policies in the war on terror and has worked tirelessly to make this country safer. All right. Our Republican Senator John Borders said the president should begin a drawdown of U.S. troops by the end of the year and send a message to the Iraqi government. He was on the Meet the Press yesterday. 
He said the president should decide how many troops will be withdrawn, but added that the redeployment should start by Christmas of this year. I said, here is an option. You can initiate a first withdrawal. You pick the number, Mr. President, and it would send a signal to the Iraqi government that matches your words. His words being, we're not going to be there forever. Uh, Congress shouldn't tell the president how to run the war. But I want the president to make the decision, as he's under the Constitution required, with regard to when the troops stay, when they leave, not the Congress. It's boring, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Wait, it's been almost uh, an hour since we've played uh, the competitor from South Carolina from Miss Teen USA. I, think I it personally be believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there... Does it sound like she's about like she's about to say Osama, Osama bin Laden? That's what I kept hearing, too. I, I think she probably was, and even in her tiny pea-sized brain, I think she something scrabbled around it. Don't say Osama. Yeah. <laughs> and then she says, the Iraq. Let's do it with the question, actually. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have that. And uh, I believe that our ed education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as, and such I believe as. that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should yeah. help the U.S. Uh, or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries. No, I... So we will be able to build up our future for us. Thank you very much, South Carolina. And people applauded. No, I couldn't possibly, I couldn't possibly agree more. Let me, uh, Jesus, let me see if I've got. You'd be the... Hillary's running mate. No, I've got. Well, let me watch. Let me watch it with the video here. I've got the oh, the YouTube. It. Oh, have you not seen? Oh, you, oh, you haven't, haven't seen. You haven't seen her saying this on the YouTube. Step right over here. All right, hold on. Let me let this queue up. She is just so unbelievably blank looking when she answers this. Let me uh, pause this while it queues. So Seamus showed this to us, and she is. I guess really pretty in a completely blank, uninteresting, very cliched kind of way. All right, so here is uh, Miss Teen U.S. Now, let's see, is she a competitor? Yeah. So South Carolina is where this, this contestant comes from in the Miss Teen USA 2007 pageant. I don't have her name, but it doesn't really matter. Okay. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. The woman asking the question is no Mensa either, by the way. On a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have that. And uh, I believe that our ed education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such the as Iraq. I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries. So we will be... Now wait, and as it trails off, you will hear her say, for the children. Just right at the end, of, just you barely hear it. ...able to build up our future for our children. Thank you very yeah. much, South Carolina. Is that, who is that? The, the host there. Probably Ryan Seacrest, he hosts everything. That's not Mario Lopez, is it? It just says, look at Mario... One of the quotes, the comments on the YouTube thing says, uh, look at Mario's face afterward. I'm not really like a like a Mario Lopez aficionado, so I'm not really sure that I know. All right. Fantastic. It's 503 733
Scotty's Scotty's pointing out lapses in her grammar. Really? Okay. Here's Tim Riley. I find that hard to believe. No, it's I'm looking at it right here on the screen. The Iraq. Fantastic. All right. Uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Well, a lot of people don't like the uh, president comparing Iraq to Vietnam. Among those, uh, Democratic Senator Jim Webb. Despite the way that the Vietnam War ended, eight years after the Gulf of Tonkin in 1972, the American people, by a margin of 74 to 11 percent, still believed that it was important that South Vietnam not fall to communism. Well, no, that's incorrect, says Republican John Cronin. There would be a vast humanitarian crisis, uh, uh, millions of people perhaps killed, uh, refugees uh, putting a lot of pressure on the region. Refugees? They have like a million leaving every day. <laughs> that would begin if we left. So anyway, that's uh, what they say here. Well, uh, many workplaces are getting a little bit more formal again, and that's from a new nationwide survey done by Yahoo Hunt Jobs and Banana Republic. The managing editor of Yahoo Hunt Jobs says people are realizing uh, something important about today's workplace. The majority of the general workforce that we polled at 68% and the majority of HR professionals at 82% believe that how you dress at work directly affects your prospects for <sighs> a promotion. Uh, stories like this just make my brain soft. Like Miss South Carolina? Yes. She yes. probably listens to these all the stories time. Stories like this make the my brain the soft. I'm going to start just dropping in the, for the rest of the day. I'm going to do that just to amuse myself. Well, here's something that should thrill everyone. A new tell-all book penned by Katie Couric. Woo! Or somebody penning it for her arrives in the store tomorrow. The book is called Katie, the Real Story. It's by Edward Klein. So I guess she doesn't write it herself. Uh, he also uh, penned The Truth About Hillary. Let's see. It uh, The contents are about Katie and her colleagues at NBC who took bets and scale along and would take Couric to exploit the passing of Jay Moynihan. Whoever that is, and who would care? Is Jay Moynihan her husband? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It also alleges that the couple's marriage was on the rocks long before the cancer diagnosis and ultimately took his life, and that, quote, the only thing that stood between Katie and the divorce was her fear of negative publicity. Well, and I read, uh, now I read something, speaking of, of CBS, I read something about that IMUS thing, because we had that story Friday that IMUS had taken a job on, like, the Farm and Grain Network, oh, whatever yeah. the hell that is, mm -hmm. but apparently he might still be angling for some radio job on top of that. It's all very unclear, but he might be getting some radio gig in addition to his broadcast on, like, the Silo channel or the Silo Network. Whatever the hell that stupid channel is. Uh, oh, this is about uh, Miss Teen USA. Hello, sir. Hi, Rick. Hi. Hey, I was wondering if you guys would think it was funny if, um, remember on Billy Madison, where he says that stupid speech about the puppy dog? Oh, is this where the professor goes, your speech was stultifying and completely devoid of content, or whatever that speech is. That right, guy, yeah, yeah, that was like the dumbest thing I've ever heard, right. You guys should maybe splice that up with that speech that she did. That is I mean, a, that'd be kind of funny. That's a legitimately great idea. I hadn't really thought about that. That really actually is a good idea. I'll get Scotty on that. Yeah, please. All right, uh, have a good day, guys. Good, good, good. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I forgot. I've only seen Billy Madison a couple of times. I'm not like the world's biggest Adam Sandler fan. That really would be funny, though. I can do it without him. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Now, what was number one at the box office over the weekend? It was super bad, bringing a total of $66.6 million. Number two, The Bourne Ultimatum. What was number one? Super bad. Yeah, I still haven't seen that. I meant to see it this weekend because I'm a big fan of Michael Cera, and, of course, everything Judd Apatow does is great, and it's got Seth Rogen attached to it as well. Um, it, but I was, it was, you know, Saturday was the soapbox thing, and then Sunday I had to uh, steer my wife away from punching another woman in the face. So, it was, you know, it was kind of, a, kind of a hectic couple of days. So that was number one, and the number two was what? Let's see, uh, the Bourne Ultimatum. Excellent. 
Oh, by the way, let's... Uh... Mr. Bean's holiday was number four. Really? Yeah. Let's uh, welcome uh, Scotty J to the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Scotty J. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I kiss you on the mouth. Please let me... Good morning, Metolia. Our intrepid PA, Scotty J to the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Scotty. Well, good morning, Culver. Hi. How are you? Doing good, Rick. How, how about was your you? family vacation? <laughs> it was not a family vacation. The kids were not with us. Oh. Where, did the, where did the children? I'm sorry. Was it this a second honeymoon for you and Mrs. J? Will there be some new little J's coming along? Oh. Oh. <laughs> why would you say that? Well, I was just thinking about that. Oh, why were you thinking about that? Oh, oh, there's no goggles strong enough. Uh, in answer to that, the Jay family will not be extending anytime soon. Now, do you, do you and Mrs. Jay not wish to have uh, other children? Uh, that's correct. Is, now, is this a, a joint decision? Does one of you want more children? Uh, no. Are you sure? We've had enough. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's it. Two mistakes is where I draw the line. Has God been consulted as he often is in the suburbs? <laughs> really, that is true. I'm not really sure. What are you, Episcopalian? A Protestant. All right. How do Protestants feel about contraception? They hate it. I don't think that's true. I think you're, you're right. wrong about that. I think Protestants are for contraception, Scotty. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> we I wouldn't know. I haven't attended for 10 years. Conclude, conclude today's installment of Rick Tells Scotty about his own religion. Uh, all right, Scotty. So uh, so what did you do at Lake, Lake Jazz or... Lake Johnny 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 Bob or whatever. Well, it's uh, Lake Billy Shenick, actually. Lake Billy. It's huge. It's it's it's, it's, huge. it's fed by three rivers. So uh -huh. you know, just shoots uh, uh, the Metolius River, and uh, I'm trying to think of the other. So what do you do there? Up top. What do we do? Well, I should get over there to the marina, and this is the first year I've done this. I've gone to Lake Billy Shenick a million times, but this is the first year that I've actually done a houseboat trip. This is a planned event that happens once a year right around the same oh, yeah. time. Scotty told me it wasn't a vacation. It was an event. <laughs> it oh. was. It was a monster. Uh, there was a good uh, seven houseboats, and we all but lined what up. what happens? What do you do? Well, you, you all get on the houseboat, and about 14 people per houseboat. Is this a swinging thing? You can just tell us. Um, Are you having a keychain party? I, I, I wouldn't put it past some people, but for me, no. It wasn't swinging for me, other than swinging off the back end of the, of the boat. Into were you the not invited to participate? <laughs> Did they, Scott, were you left without a partner when they Let's picked just sides? Say it was just a, uh, not, not only was it like a girls gone wild event, it was like girls gone banana wild. I mean, it was crazy wild. I don't... Please to explain as girls gone, gone bananas. banana wild. You know, I bananas. Know. Girls gone bananas. That's yeah. the knockoff DVD. <laughs> so this is... So this is a suburban housewives gone wild. Uh, basically, yeah, you you nailed it there. That's for sure. And the and, and the older they Jim, get, Jim, you and I uh, should go the next time. It seems like that the like it's a great event. <laughs> it seems like the older they get, the more crazy they get too. Uh -huh. if you, if, when you, I noticed that, but okay. No, it's a huge event. At least seven houseboats all, you know, went down the lake into a cove, and we all docked up against each other. And it, it just so happens I docked. Right up against the band that played for two nights. Were you in a telling row. me that there's a band there called the Deschutes County Crooks? Right, I, I was wrong. Sarah, uh, I, I don't know oh why. Oh my god! I don't know why I heard that out of the because guy. Because that's really wrong. Right, I know it is wrong. And, yes. And, and I, I swear I heard it out of his mouth, and and I'm trying to bring this back after a uh -huh. four day binge, if you will. Did you smoke? No. No smoking. Have I you totally smoked since well. we began this whole thing? No, no, it's been almost two I months. I don't believe you, but I'm too tired to do anything about it. All right, <laughs> Scotty, so here's the only reason I really brought you in here today. Okay. I Please now to answer this question. I personally believe... Oh, wait. 
Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? You want me to talk about why a fifth of America can't locate the U.S. on a map? Yes, Scott. Non-education? I mean, I don't know. It's like point blank right in the middle if you were to... If you were to take the world and draw it out flat in a the map, there's the U.S. right there in the middle. How hard is that? <laughs> that now, really is the suburban I, perspective. <laughs> no, I think we should go back to this. This is way more interesting. Scotty, let me ask you this: <laughs> do you do you believe do you believe that uh, that you could find Iraq on a map? Absolutely. How much would you be willing to wager on that? And now, how and in how long? Now, are you going to find an Iraq that is not labeled? So, in other words, it's all going to yes, be... it's a, a secret Iraq. No, no. It's Iraq 3. Will this be a map that has the actual written, you know, it'll say Iraq or it'll all be a blank map with just a bunch of, you know... No, it would... You don't necessarily want to look for the continent or the area that you want to look for the name of it? No, I'm, I'm asking you... If it was a map that said it, where the country had Iraq, how long do you think it would take you to find it? Seconds. It's in Africa. How many... Or down near that region. South, South America, sorry. Oh my God! I need to look at a map actually to tell you what's going you have on. A here. So Iraq. Uh, I what, know what it looks like. What part of South America is Iraq in? Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's I, within I, I the could, United States of Iraq. Yeah, I could actually point to it on a map. I don't know if you're saying it's the northern region of South America or or what you're asking. That would be Latin America. <laughs> All right, I know where it is. Okay, well, anyways. Okay. Yes, final thoughts, Scotty? No final thoughts on that. But uh, if you want to get back to this, I have some really cool stuff and some potential show stuff for you. About Lake Billy? Yes. Can we do it next hour? That'd be great. Because we don't have a guest until Rube at 2. <laughs> Looking forward to it. All right, we'll talk to you later. Thank you, Scotty J. Scotty J, back in the warm bosom of the Rick Emerson Show. Let's do one more and then we'll break here. Tim, let's do a final uh, story this hour. Oh, Lake Billy Chinook Houseboats. Lake Billy is in beautiful sunny Oregon, about three miles from Portland. Miles of shoreline, lots of fun, a variety of fish, including Coconi, Dolly Bartons, Smallmouth Bass, Rainbow Trout, and German Browns. Okay, then. I found a picture of one of the houseboats that uh, that Scotty was on. Well, that is glorious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right. So he probably could have smoked on that. Can I tell you that this is actually the third time today that he's uh, made that Girls Gone Wild reference when describing what happened over the weekend? Let's all stop to picture that right now, shall we? Hmm. I mean, I mean, now Mrs. J is a lovely woman, but I have my own image of what a whole bunch of other couples that Scotty hangs out with must look like. See, he just typed it again on the screen. It's totally true. Picture it, Rick. See, I, oh. it's just unnerving is what it is. Well, Lake Billy is very nice. Oh, they have all kinds of houseboats there. I don't think anything with Billy in the title can be nice. And can, by the way, can I tell you this before we break? Here's the thing. that Whenever anybody says Billy, mm-hmm. I immediately think of Billy Carter to this day. That's what I was thinking. See? That's exactly what I think of. Yeah. And that's a generational thing. That is a thing that I think you have to be over 30. Billy Carter was Jimmy Carter's younger brother. Uh, totally just a drunken, uh, just a drunken nitwit, most famous for having his own brand of beer. Uh, when Jimmy Carter was president, they did market and sell a brand of beer called Billy Beer, uh, because he was just such a known slothful alcoholic. But look at how all many... the fun they're having here. Look at all those fish. Oh, God. How many other Billies can you think of? 
There's Billy. Uh, there's uh, there's Billy, Billy Carter. Wil- Billy Wilder. Billy Carter. Uh, Billy Martin. Billy Martin. That's it. That's it. I think those are all the Billies there are. There's nobody else. All right. Uh, we should break here. We'll come back. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Coming up. More from Scotty J. A man named Ed will join us with his top five. We'll talk to Clyde Lewis. Uh, Jim Roop, uh, this pile of observations from the weekend. Uh, oh, Laura has a question about it because she's going to Italy before I do or going to Europe before I do. So she gets a question about other phrases she needs to know. And I know that this sounds like like a high, I guess it is sort of a high concept thing. Because her phrase book is so ridiculous. The, the language lessons she's been taking for Italy are a whole bunch of things. You'll, where can I buy some cabbage? Like, when do you need to say that? No one's going to be buying cabbage. So, anyway, we'll do a little overview of other phrases she might need to know. Uh, back after this is the Rick Emerson Show. You say that. Radio program. Well, we'll talk about that here in a few. Maybe, is, are we going to have that in the next news break, you suppose? Yeah, Tim might talk about it, I think. All right. 503-733-2970. Scotty, oh, for the love of sweet Christ. I wish I knew how to quit you. Oh, Billy D. Williams. Well done. Good morning, Metolius. Scotty J. I don't understand the crickets. Are you t- Are you having all of your um, friends from the Lake Billy trip call up? <laughs> uh, no, actually, it's a big event, so that- people know about it. They call in. Really? They I'm do. looking at the calls here. There's a lot of people that know about Mike Lake from Billy the Billy Chinook houseboat trip calling in. Mike, uh, another Mike from the Billy Chinook house band calling in. Oh yeah, this this uh, you're gonna want to talk. I'm not gonna be taking these calls. Just so you know. Just, just okay. so you're aware, these calls won't be taken. All right, great. So you should uh, have fun talking to them. Okay. All right. Uh, so are we talking to Peter Carlin today, or is that happening another time? Another time. Another time. i got to wait for another, him to call back. Another day this so. week. Because we got Rube coming up at 2, uh, and then we got What's-His-Guts, uh, the Ed guy who's going to be coming in today. Uh, and I think he's bringing a CD. So Ed called and was giving me all kinds of crap on Thursday uh, for my uh, top five most flawlessly constructed pop songs. So he'll be coming and doing his own list today. So... Right. Okay, I actually thought you would want to talk to this Mike Taylor guy. He's the lead uh, bassist for the band, and he has a lot of information about these guys. Uh, about it, who? it turns about out that who? why would we want a lot of information about well, about, the bill, about a trip of. that you went on? Okay. That means okay, that's cool. That has no resonance that's cool. to me. Uh, don't don't be defensive. No, I'm I am defensive. Yeah, and don't, yeah, and don't, don't put us in a weird position where we're trying to like we're not docking down the band. In a band weird position. I don't be. No, listen. It turns out that these guys play all over Portland, no. and uh, a lot I thought of bands it would be great. Okay, Scotty, don't be don't be defensive. I'm just pointing it out. It is a it is a call base with niche interest. Well, clearly, well, no, he's clear. Well, clearly because he told the guy, call in, I'll get you the hookup. 
Call in, I'll put you on the air. You'll be stars. You know, I'm not doubting that this band is no, good, but there are, we know hundreds of bands who are all trying their hardest in this you no, know, and city I just, of ours. And, and plus, I just, I can't, we can't spend 20 minutes taking calls from people who are on a houseboat with Scotty. As interesting as that might be, and the creation of new little J's. All right, here's what we got coming up. So we have Roop, I guess, which is going to be later this week, uh, or uh, Carlin's going to be later this week. Two o'clock, we'll have Roop. Uh, at like two, blah, like twenty, we'll have this uh, Ed guy uh, coming in. Uh, Tim Riley back at the bottom of the hour and so forth. We have to talk more about uh, the uh, Europe trip, which is coming up. I got this list of random things, but I have this email. Let's see, and I wanted to get to this because of the suicide thing that we were having. Uh, this is so great, Rick. There was a Billy beer. You have to make a Scotty J beer. Scotty Beer, that is fantastic. You don't remember Billy Beer. Billy mm-hmm. Beer was, and then I'm not going to get bogged down on this, because I, I do want to have this interest, this discussion about B-list celebrities, which a guy had called us about, and then he just sent me an email about it again. But before I get to that, because he wants to know what a, a guy is asking. We were talking about uh, uh, about celebrity suicides. Don't do it in the news hour. And we were talking about a lot of B-list celebrities and C-list celebrities. And this guy just emailed in, and he said, please to clarify what a B-list celebrity is. Is Suzanne Summers a B-list celebrity? What is the baseline for B-list celebrity? And I don't really know the answer to that. Because we've done, when we compiled the list of people we've had on the program, and we were doing that whole, you know, trying to create the definitive list of people that we have interviewed. And I don't really know. So there's A-list. Okay, so I'll talk Billy Bear later. A-list celebrity. Okay, give me an A-list celebrity. And that's like your Brad Pitt. Yeah. An A-list celebrity. Well, do you think A-list is like film and B-list is like a lot of t- mostly television? Ah, uh, but it depends on the television because like um I'm trying to think of it eight like um well, when it was like when it was still on, Jerry Seinfeld would have been an A-list celebrity. Or Friends? Friends, when Friends was still on, and like Jennifer Aniston, any of those guys on Friends would have been an A-list celebrity. A B-list celebrity. So, who is a B-list celebrity? And then we'll go into C and D after that. Because Kathy Griffin, that's her Griffin Griffith, uh, always talks about being on the D-list. So, who is the baseline of a B-list celebrity? Man, I don't... See, I don't... The thing is, I don't know either. It's so hard to... It's like that show Donna Mike did where they were trying to figure out who... Like a a female... Like a, a, a female celebrity who is a six... Like, they were like, well, everybody talks about a perfect 10. They're like, what's a perfect 6? So, who is a B-list celebrity? Oh, I would, I would say, like, an actor on, a pop, on, like, a popular television show. Oh, like, maybe, like, Adrian Grenier. Let's do it. Eh, but see, he's not. I don't know. See, I don't know the answer to that. Because um, he is, I guess maybe people don't necessarily know who he is. They have to be told who he is. Or they have to be told why he's famous. Okay, let me do this. Let's do it this way. I will give you a celebrity. You tell me if they are A, B, C, or somewhere somewhere other than that. Um, let's see. Okay, we'll start with um, Jesus. See now, I didn't, now even I don't know. Um, Jason Alexander. Hmm. Why'd well, say now? Probably C. <laughs> Why is it because he's not on the air? Probably, and he hasn't really done anything since then. Nothing that's worked. Say, so where is... Okay, so so Jason Alexander is a C. But then again, Seinfeld's still in syndication. Where's Jerry Seinfeld? I'd say... I don't know, B? I don't know. I feel like I ought to be... Ma- I don't know. I hate to do this thing where I just turn it, where I just make the audience enter our questions, but I don't really know. So, because this all started... Uh, it's 503-733-2970. So here's the thing. So the guy, it all started, though, because this was during 
we got this question the first time during the Paris Hilton uh, saga when she was going to jail. And we were talking about Paris Hilton being a celebrity, and a guy said, a guy called up, and I remember the call, and he said, is Paris Hilton an A-list celebrity? And I said, I didn't really think so, um, because she hadn't really done anything. And then the guy pointed out that we all know who she was, though, uh, that even and that she was famous even with her first name, that if you just said Paris, everybody who knew who you were talking about. And so, therefore, Paris Hilton was an A-list celebrity. Um, and so he just actually... Um, it was either him or somebody, uh, it was a similar email. A guy had actually emailed in, I don't know, 10 or 12 minutes ago about this, when we were talking about the celebrity deaths, because the guy said, please to explain what is a B-list celebrity. Okay, so how about, um, okay, Jake Gyllenhaal, A-list, because he does movies? Because his name is above the title? Because it is, as they say, above the title in the mm -hmm. films? Okay. So, I would say Jake, yeah, I'd say Jake Gyllenhaal, A-list. Okay. So, how about Andy Dick? Oh, Andy Dick? Yeah, he's low. I but, he's, but he's recognizable. See, I would say Andy Dick is a straight B-lister because he doesn't really do anything. Like, what does he act in? I mean, other than being at, like, a celebrity roast, which doesn't really count. Like, what has Andy Dick actually done? He plays a bunch of, like, flamboyant characters in a bunch of crap movies. But does he? Yeah. I mean, I mean have you just seen in him in anything? I know that he was in whatever movie Jessica Simpson just shot, finished shooting. <laughs> Jessica Simpson, A, B, or C? B. Okay, I grant you that. She was an A-lister, though. I would say Jessica Simpson was an A-lister. What, during what, Employee of the Month? No, 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 before that. Like when she was, uh, like when her and Nick Lachey were still together and she was doing... Newlyweds? At Newlyweds, and then they did that uh, variety show. That was like the peak of Jessica Simpson when she was with Nick Lachey and they were trying to position themselves as like the Donnie and Marie of a new uh, of a new generation. That's when uh, Jessica Simpson was an A-lister. Um, her sister has never been an A-lister. Ashley Simpson has always been a B-lister. I would say now is somewhere between B and C-list. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello, Hello. Rick. Hi, Hello, what's up? Sarah. Hi. Hey. How are you guys doing? Hi. Well. Yeah, I think you're on the right track there, Rick. Um, I would definitely say Jason Alexander, though, is a C-lister because now he's, like, doing a game show and does infomercials. <laughs> Once you do an infomercial, you become a C-list. <laughs> That's probably true. So so infomercial equals C-list. So I believe so. All right. No, no, no. I could totally see that. Let me ask you this. Let me run, run one by it. Jim Belushi. Hey. I'm sorry? Jim Belushi. C-list. c and Andy Dick would be a C-lister, too, because he's just famous for being famous now. That's all. Okay. Fair enough. Andy Dick, yeah. All right. Excellent. Thank you. That's my, that's my input. Thanks. All right. There you go. All right. It's 503-733. Uh, my phone is uh, screwing up. 503-733-2970. Yeah. Discusses, let's see, B-list celebrities. Bruce Campbell. Sarah Michelle Geller, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal is no longer a B-list celebrity. I'd say C. Steven Seagal is absolutely a C-list celebrity. Uh, let's see. Hi, Jake. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, man. Hey. Andy Dick was in all those movies with Pauly Shore. Uh, Pauly Shore? Now. Let me just say this. Pauly Shore is the definition of a B-list celebrity. Pauly Shore I, is the very definition. That even when that, no, even when that guy was doing, like, totally Pauly or hanging with Pauly or whatever the hell that was, that guy, Pauly Shore, there's something about him that... It doesn't matter. He could be on the cover of every magazine in the country, but he will always be a B-list celebrity. He, there's just something, because you could, you know why? It's because it's, here's the thing, and I know this sounds a little daft. Pauly Shore is sort of the opposite of John Bon Jovi, and here's what I mean by that. 
<laughs> I have this whole theory that Bon Jovi will always be really popular and always be able to play stadiums simply because your brain couldn't, like, you can't picture John Bon Jovi playing in a tiny club. Like, you can't picture Bon Jovi playing at a bar somewhere. So there. Like Ray White. Yeah, he just, yeah, he just <laughs> seems really famous. Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi just seems like such a big star that you cannot picture him playing in a small venue, which is why they continue to sell out arenas like 15 years after their prime, because he's just got a certain star quality about him. Um, it is actually the opposite with Pauly Shore, where Pauly Shore actually just seems like such a low-brow, low-grade, low-rent, D-class-A performer that no matter what he did, what he was in, who he was with, or where he was acting, you could never, ever picture that guy like, you could never form the words, A-list actor Pauly Shore was seen today in the whole. Like, your brain, just, your brain wouldn't process it. Didn't he do uh, Pauly Shore's Dead or whatever? That's the other thing, is he did that direct-to-DVD video a couple years ago called Pauly Shore is Dead, which is actually was a pretty good, uh, good idea, and then I rented it and never watched it. And it apparently was, he sort of played, which right there kind of tells you what you need to know. Because Joni DeRoche and I were talking about it. It's kind of an interesting idea. It's where he plays himself... But the premise of the film is Pauly Shore fakes his own death to see if he will become a comedic icon, having having died, which I guess is an interesting idea. But I got it from Netflix, and I swear to Christ, it sat on top of my television for like six months. And finally, I was like, you know, who am I fooling? I'm never going to watch this Pauly Shore movie, and I just put it back in the mail. That was the end of so, that. So if Andy Dick is supporting... Polly Shore in those movies, he's even worse, right? Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's like, and and by the way, let me. Here's another thing. Speaking of people who will never make it to the A-list, no Baldwin who is not named Alec will ever make it to the A-list. The best that all of those guys can hope to do is B-list. That's yeah. it. And they're all. And by the way, Alec Baldwin himself is probably a B-lister by now. Everybody else solidly in the C camp, unless they, uh, you know, unless something really spectacular happens. So what's that put Scotty J at? <laughs> it can't even be calculated, sir. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. How are you doing? Why, hello, sir. I hope I'm not um, re-jumping over something anybody's already done. How about the ultimate of the B-listers, Bruce Campbell? No, Bruce Campbell. See, the thing about Bruce Campbell is, though, Bruce Campbell, star of Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Man with a Screaming Brain, uh, bit parts in uh, the Spider-Man films. Bruce Campbell is, and the geeks in the house will know that I'm speaking the truth here, Bruce Campbell is an A-lister in the world of B-listers. Do you know what I mean? Got it. Like if you were to, if, so he's if, a B plus. You yes. If you were to rank um, B-list actors, he would be at the absolute top. Let's he say is, he's a hybrid. No, he is the very, and he's also, by the way, a B-list actor that you have seen in small parts in a lot of A-list films. So he's so, so cheesy and so over the top. He just. He, you know why? That's because he doesn't aspire to anything beyond that. He is comfortable with his B-list status. Uh, he doesn't try to be more than that. And so, have he, you seen any of his uh, Deep Cable show, Burn Notice? No, no. Uh, the his acting is better than anybody else's in there, and it's just kind of like um, he's just this, he's playing a parody of his former self and doing it so well, and looks like he's laughing at himself and the audience at the same time. Well, that's the great thing about Bruce Campbell, though, is yep. he is so, uh, like, he has no aspirations to becoming, like, a regular Hollywood celebrity. He just knows it's not in the cards. So that guy just embraces his own B-list status. 
Okay, just thought I'd throw in my little two cents. Thank you, sir. By the way, be watching for a movie called They Call Me Ash, uh, which comes out this fall, which I believe will be premiering at the Hollywood Theater, uh, which features Bruce Campbell, sort of a Galaxy Quest kind of a thing. And I think it takes place in Eugene, which is where he lives. Um, and it's a, it is a movie in which Eugene, Oregon, is overrun by zombies, and all the people in Eugene, this is, if I've got this correct, all the people in Eugene clamor around Bruce Campbell to save them because they all think that he's Ash and he keeps saying he's just Bruce Campbell. And oh, they all believe kind of that funny. he is Ash. No, it, it's kind of a it is kind of a knockoff of Galaxy Quest, but I'm absolutely there. Uh this email says, Rick, I don't know these things, but here's a guest. Um A list celebrities are people you have to bribe to be part of your project or show. B list celebrities are people you invite to be on your project or show. C-list people are those who pitch themselves to be on your project or show. That is true. So the question is, have we ever interviewed anybody who is an A-list celebrity? Uh, I can't think, really think of anybody. The, the closest I can say is that we have interviewed people who at one time were A-list celebrities. That's a good way to put it. To be fair, and it, it, it said, I say this with all love and respect, Peter Chris, not an A-list celebrity now, at one time, by dint of being a member of KISS, especially in the 70s. Uh, Peter Chris was absolutely like a A++ lister at a certain time. I mean, uh, we anymore. also dated ones that might be A-listers eventually, like, for example, maybe Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore. I would say Mandy Moore, a solid B-lister, trending upward mm -hmm. right now. She's, uh, she's B-list with a bullet, though. All right. So Mandy Moore... Alyssa Milano. Was, did you think he was pretty high up there during the Dawson's Creek? Yeah, like, crazy no, no, he's, yeah he's, he's only headed down, though. And I'm oh, sorry, I hate, to, I hate to break your heart. Oh, he's still dating that skinky blonde girl. <laughs> Alyssa Milano, B-lister, probably headed down. Probably headed down. Had a small shot at being an A-lister. Now, no. Um, Marky Ramone, solid B-lister, never going to make an A-lister. Mark Hamill from Star Wars, this is a long time ago, but Mark Hamill from Star Wars was an A-lister in the glory days of Star Wars. Now I would say hovers between B and C, but that depends on whether you're a geek or not. Uh, if you're a Star Wars nerd, he's an A-lister. Uh, if you're just some regular person, he's kind of between B and C, I hate to say. Mm -hmm. Weird Al Yankovic, Weird Al Yankovic I put right there in the Bruce Campbell category. Uh, really high in the world of B-list celebrities. Uh, again, if you're a nerd, he's an A-lister. Uh, we'll get to, uh, let's see, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hello, sir. Well, uh, if you look at the uh, surreal life shows on uh, VH1 or whatever it was, you know, a lot of those people were the B-listers. Uh, Eric Estrada, Charo. Yes. Is that the, is that the end of your list? Eric Estrada well, and Charo. Well, there's the only two that I can remember. Anybody, I would also say this, if you've been on uh, Love Boat, if you've been on uh, Murder, She Wrote, Fantasy Island, you're at any of those programs, that's absolutely where you all, uh, that's, that's, they yeah. all congregate right there. That's, that's the festival of all the beatlers. Charo. All right, thank you, sir. All right, we'll do two more, and then we got to take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, hi. you guys just mentioned Mandy Moore as a B-lister, soon to be an A-lister. Well, and... I think she has potential. Yeah, she has potential. I don't think she really has a lot of star quality. When you see her interviewed, she doesn't really give off any sparks to me, but we'll see. But anyway, she's going to be on Jimmy Kimmel, and I mention it because John Hamm, who's, <clears throat> excuse me, who's on Mad Men, He's going to be on Jimmy Kimmel, the same show with her, now, on Wednesday. Is that, I think he is, could be. Is that the guy who plays Don Draper? That's the guy. I, when is that Jimmy Kimmel Wednesday? Wednesday. I am all over that. I dig that guy. Yeah, so he might be an A-lister, depending upon how well he does. You know, charisma is a very 
something you can't really define, but you know it when you no. see it. Well, see, here's the thing. I would say this. No matter how great he was in the role, no matter how important the show it was, I would say James Gandolfini, who plays Tony Soprano, is a B-list actor. Yeah. A B-list celebrity, I he would say. He got lucky. No, really, because he's just, because he, he, he is sort of, and again, I... You know, I say that I love The Sopranos at all, but he's very much a character actor yes. uh, in a gangster show that really just made it big. Um, so we'll see if that Don Draper guy can. Uh, yeah, can bust I out totally that. agree with you. All right, excellent. Bye. Thank you. Bye now. All right, one email, one call, and we got a break. We'll come back with Tim Riley. Um, what did I call that? What did I call the Bruce Campbell movie? They call me Bruce. They call me Ash. Oh, and apparently it is They Call Me Bruce. Oh, okay. Not They Call Me. Really, They Call Me Bruce. Wasn't that a kung fu movie from like 1987? Wasn't that, a, wasn't that some sort of kung fu comedy caper that came out like 20 years ago? And it takes place in Medford. It says, get your Bruce facts straight before you spread lies all over the air. Sorry about that. Final call, then we got a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hey. How you doing? What's up? Hey, uh, uh, regarding your male suicide, uh, Robert uh, yes, Pastorelli. Taking, taking us all the way back. Robert Pastorelli from uh, Wise Guy? No, uh, Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown. He was a painter. Now, see, I gotta tell you, can I just uh, share a little fact with you? A little gap in my pop culture knowledge. I have never once in my life watched Murphy Brown ever. Okay. And he ever. was on, he was on uh, Dances with the Wolves and Michael, if you remember that movie uh, with the John Travolta. Oh, John Travolta is the smoking edgy angel. Oh yeah, with the angel and he walking, he's all a uh, you know wife beater and he's all unshaven and so forth. Yeah, yeah. and apparently uh, they say he died of a heroin overdose. They said when they they did the autopsy, he'd light up a city. So, I mean, he, he just kind of went, like, All popped right. it. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. All right. Taking us back 90 minutes there. All right. We got break. We'll come back. Tim Riley up. Uh, the hell? Oh, Clyde Lewis up uh, after Tim Riley. We have Jim Roop at 2 o'clock. A man named Ed uh, coming in with his top five. And, I don't know, just a whole pile of things to get to. We may or may not. Oh, we have Queensryche giveaways this week as well. Damn, man. All right. Back after this is the Rick Emerson Show. I walk by Scotty J's hate glares every time I go to the bathroom. What started this whole thing? I have no idea. He wanted me to talk about his party on a houseboat, which I, I'm sure was fine and compelling and entertaining, but which I wasn't at, which you weren't at, which Sarah wasn't at. So I would have had nothing to contribute to that. So, all right. And I guess, so is, and I guess there's like some band... They're just sort of made up of other bands from Portland. Like one of the guys who uh, was in that band, Supernaut, which isn't around anymore. And I guess some, there was like maybe one of the guys, I, I strongly doubt that there's a band called the Deschutes County Crooks. But I guess maybe one of the Dry County Crooks guys, whatever. Anyways, like some whole, he didn't he didn't come out and say that it was a swing fest. He did use the girls gone wild phrase uh, many, many times. So anyway, so there you go. So there was some, there was some event that I guess uh, happened this weekend that's now over that we weren't at. That he wanted us to talk about. And we're done. It's 503-733-2970. Oh, see, now we're just getting nothing but... Okay. So it's not called... The, it's Lake called Billy. my... What? Are we still talking about Lake No, Billy? no. For the love of God, no. Okay. F no. No, hell no. Uh, it, let's see. My name is Bruce, apparently, is the name of the movie. Oh, see, now, by the way, that was Scott Daly who had all the incorrect information about this. Rick, the movie takes place in <laughs> Gold Lick, Oregon. Gold Lick? Really? Gold Lick? The Gold Lickers... Maybe there's an event there we can be talking about endlessly, too. The Gold Lickers kidnap Bruce to help them fight 
Gwanda, the Chinese god of war that's terrorizing their... It is relatable. Uh, the Chinese god of war that is terrorizing their small town for some reason. Tell that other Bruce Campbell fan, whose name is Scott Daly, to check his facts. And then there's a uh, there's a big angry link about it. Fantastic. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The cops are looking for a bald-headed white man who shot a bunch of people at that Tigrid apartment this morning. Apparently, some ladies opened the door around 5 o'clock, and the guy who was outside recognized people and ran in and shot some people inside. So it's not a very good neighborhood at all. Uh, also, security personnel at the Portland Water Bureau, working with Portland police, have tracked down that suspect and caught him red-handed dumping soap into the Iwer Keller Fountain downtown. Uh, Nolan Cunningham, who's 19, was caught while pouring detergent into the fountain. His photo has been posted on their blog. You know, that's one of those things that every generation thinks they are the absolute first to discover. I know, let's hang underwear in trees and pour soap in a fountain somewhere. And remember, kids, soaping a fountain is costly vandalism. Well, here's the thing. It requires the city to pump the soapy water into the sewer and then have the fountain cleared by workers. It costs thousands of dollars to do this. Here's I my... think that's a lie. My question is, A, first of all, couldn't the city uh, water system do with some soaping since it's filled with, you know, poo? B, does it really cost thousands of dollars? C, given all the other crap that's in the water, really is some, of all of the things that is probably in this water that you're drinking, mm-hmm. I mean, like hint of cryptosporidium, it seems like water is probably not high, or soap is not high in the list of things you ought to be worried about. And D, no one wants to say this, but D, soaped up fountains actually look kind of cool. I'm not saying that you should do it. Uh, crime is not a good way to say it's not a hobby. Kid. Well, this was a youthful indiscretion. Of course. Of Less course. serious than Michael Vick. Not, not unlike tasering dogs. All right. All right. Uh, meanwhile, uh, some teenagers have been busted for nighttime ninja crimes on the Rogue River. Fantastic. Wearing black outfits? This is a lot worse than putting soap in the fountain. They scampered over rooftops, climbed trees like a squirrel, broke into houses and cars. They're not quite as slick as their Japanese ninja heroes, however. Uh, one uh, youth leaped into a nearby tree, and on the way down, he gave a yelp of pain and then scrambled away. Ah. Two of these teenagers, who 15, one is 16, they stole jewelry, burglary tools... Where do you find burglary tools? A map of the city of what? Rogue River? What that else? must be extremely valuable. Okay. And several black ninja suits with hoods and climbing spikes. I, I really, I guess I should have been paying more careful attention to this story from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So where did this happen? The Rogue River. Which is where? Scotty must know. Scotty? Where's... Is there some festival there we need to talk about? I don't know. All right. I have no idea where the Rogue River is. It sounds like some sort of fake microbrew. It does. I'll have me a, a glass of Rogue River. Well, they've been doing this for a year and a half. Ninjas? Mm-hmm. And this escalated uh, into fights on rooftops. I'm so confused. So, there are ninjas mm-hmm. in the Rogue River. In the Rogue River. Breaking into houses. And then climbing on pain. Cl- climbing roofs and fighting each other. Yes. This must be an amazing town in which to be a child. Mm-hmm. So you could just look and the up teens and... created a MySpace page. For their ninja and, activities. Uh, and other teams have been blogging on it about the arrest. All right, I'm all I'm all confused. I don't even know what's going on. So apparently they found these ninjas by going to the MySpace page, uh, where, where ninjas usually reside. Mm-hmm. All right, so what are burglary tools? Because you hear that phrase used all the time. I don't know. Do we have any burglars out there? No, we know we do. Like I know a lot. Of... <laughs> we'll take the first. We'll take caller number five. Call now on the burglar. We'll take the first bur- the fifth burglar. Call now on the burglary line. 
503-733-2970 from the Kingdom of Night. So this is one of those take things. calls for only those who are sorry about doing that. <laughs> if you're a repentant burglar. Sorrowful calls. If you're, if you're a burglar filled with remorse. Um, all right. So... I understand what lock-picking tools are, because that, that is, like, you'll hear people get busted carrying lock, and that's actually where it's a small valise, as they say, a small zippery pouch. Well, it must be hard if you're wearing a black ninja suit to burglarize a place. But, but I mean, what is it? Is a burglary tool like a... What aisle do I'm you find them? My in? whole brain, I just had a vapor lock there. I had a Winona Ryder moment. What aisle may these be found in at Home Depot? I don't know. I think it's right next to the, uh, right next to the, the wall, the, the drywall mollies. All right. I have no idea. Well, somebody will. T- somebody will. T- we'll have some thief in the audience calls up. If you're a burglar if and you're a- remorseful for doing so. Oh wait, somebody knows. Uh, hello, sir. Do you know about burglary tools? I do not. Okay, you're calling I- to share what with us? I know where Rogue River is. All right. All right. It's just south of Grants Pass. All right. Apparently filled with ninjas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you, Rick. Fantastic. Thank you. No, thank you, sir. Really, thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson, the radio program. Are you, you calling about burglary tools? No, no, I'm still, I'm talking about C-lists and whatever. Oh, this is the, you know what I meant to do? It, the, the, during this whole A-B list, what I meant to do and then failed to do, um, is because I was, you know, I, it was upstairs in my office. I meant to actually bring down the list of the celebrities we've had on and just to go through and rank them one at a time, but I just failed to do that entirely. Uh, what is your observation about the well, ABC list celebrities, sir? First of all, I don't think Paula Shore has ever been above a C-lister. But mostly, I wanted to talk about Kathy, Kathy uh, Griffin. Is it Griffin program, or Griffith? Griffin. Griffin. She makes a big point of that in her program, My Life as a D-Lister. Uh-huh. But I think her program, My Life as a D-Lister, has put her up to at least a C or a B-Lister. Yeah, maybe. Do you know that, let me just say this, do you know that on her biography, she lists herself as Kathy, uh, Kathy Griffin, who was in Pulp Fiction? Now, please to identify the scene in Pulp Fiction which stars Kathy Griffin. She may be I could school. not. No, no, you can't. No one can. I mean, I can because I bothered to look it up. I didn't know what it was. She actually will occasionally describe herself as Pulp Fiction's Kathy Griffin. So Kathy Griffin, by the way, is in Pulp Fiction for, I would say, maybe four seconds. Just like if you were looking really hard. So, all right. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye now. What a weird conglomeration of calls today. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's Tim Riley. A man has died from horseplay at a wedding reception. This happened in the Spokane Valley of Washington. This isn't a... Um, this is an Enumclaw style horseplay. Yeah, this is the Spokane Valley, wherever that is. Uh, police say they received a call about a two-vehicle crash in which a man had fallen out of the bed of a pickup truck. However, there was never a collision. Instead, the man apparently climbed into the bed of the truck of the person and told his friend to put the pedal to the metal. Fantastic. The man accelerated, causing them the man to fall onto the pavement, whacked his noggin, and now he's dead. Both <laughs> men have been drinking at a wedding party. Oh, that's a, this should be a Darwin watch. Right, well, why don't we do a Darwin watch? Well, you know, watch? why don't we... Okay, Sarah, let's do this. Or a penis watch. Or one of these watches. Well, let's play the Darwin watch. We'll do that story again, and then the other what Darwin watch I handed to you. Yes. And we'll close it. I used to live in a Spokane Valley, by the way. I have a feeling some bad stuff is about to go and down. And it does every day. That Spokane Valley is just filled with stupidity and porn stores. All of them painted bright pink. I used to live right next to a place called Miss Kitty's. I don't know if it's still there. A lot of girls behind glass. My heart just stopped. Ah, there it goes. All right, here's your Darwin watch for a Monday. A man dies from horseplay at a wedding reception. Eight lines, Spokane Valley, Washington. <laughs> 
A man has died following what authorities say was horseplay at a wedding reception in the Spokane Valley. They got a call Saturday night about a two-vehicle crash in which a man had fallen out of the bed of the pickup truck. However, investigators found out there was no collision at all. Instead, the man climbed into the bed of the pickup truck of his friend and told his friend to put the pedal to the metal. While the driver suddenly accelerated, causing the man to fall for the pavement and whack his noggin right on the ground. The man died upon contact with the ground. Fantastic. Uh, both men have been drinking at a wedding party. That's hard to believe. No arrests have been reported. No, of course not. Why, why, why should they be arrested? Really? For doing <laughs> <such a thing? laughs> well, they'll find their way into the penal system eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is Spokane where, you know, if you live there long enough, you will end up doing like a six to ten bit at some point. And why would you, if you're going to be riding in the back of the truck, why would you bother to make sure the truck has a tailgate or mm-hmm. one of those sort of meshy, you know, defense type things? What would you possibly need that for? All right, here's part two of the Darwin Watch. Let's go to Texas. Three teens died after their car went through a railroad crossing, colliding with an Amtrak train and catching fire. Uh, the driver tried to cross the front of a passenger train along the Beaumont Highway about 11 o'clock. Investigators said the engineer sounded the train's horn, applied its emergency brakes to no avail. They were unable to avoid hitting the car. Uh, deputies said none of the teens were carrying any identification. The uh, county medical office planned to conduct autopsies to identify them and determine if any of them were under the influence of alcohol yeah, and drugs. I can't possibly imagine. According to witnesses, as well as the engineer on the train, the driver of the vehicle disregarded the railroad warning and went through the railroad arms. I wonder if the, the other guy's lights were on, too. <laughs> and that's and see, that's not a thing that you do like where you, you just don't see it and you don't let your foot off the accelerator fast enough. Mm-hmm. You have to, uh, I mean, that's like a big zigzag Z-shaped sort of maneuver, and you got to wonder if the other guys in the car encouraged him, egged him on, told him not to do it, or if they were just oblivious, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's got to be especially unnerving if you're a passenger, and you're just, I don't know, rooting around in your pocket looking for a cigarette lighter or something, and you look up, and there's a train about 12 feet away. It's like that story you heard uh, after 9-11 about how they said after 9-11 that on each plane that they think that maybe only one or two of the hijackers knew the ultimate plan, that the others, they didn't know if they could get like 12 guys per plane or six guys per plane or whatever Mm -hmm. to go along with the suicide ramming of the building. And so they think that maybe like the other four guys on each 9-11 plane thought that they were going to hijack the planes and like go to Cuba or something, and that the only the two guys in the cockpit knew about it. So I do, I mean... Really, there's there's really no silver lining at all to any of that. But I do I do have this sort of grim hope that maybe the other hijackers didn't know what was going to happen. And I do picture one of them just sort of looking at the window, going, "Why is the building getting larger?" You know, right before just that moment of bad realization, right before it all went to hell. All right, there you go. There's your uh, double Darwin watch for uh, Monday in the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, wait, we've got an answer on burglary, I think. All right. Let's see. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, this is Todd from Southwest Portland. How are you doing? Hey, what's up? Not much. Just give you a definition of burg tools. It's actually from Oregon Revised Statutes, basically Oregon law. It's basically anything readily uh, made to uh, become a burglary tool. It's basically anything, like a crowbar, a settling torch, even a screwdriver. So, but I mean, so if I'm just walking around town with a screwdriver, they can't arrest me for that. No, but if you're using it in the, in the pursuit of breaking into a house or into some sort of dwelling, it can be considered a Berg tool. So, is Berg tool the street lingo for that? Is that how the kids say it? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah but... is the, are, you a, are you a cop, sir? 
Yes, I am. Okay, just checking. Yeah, you spoke like a guy who used that phrase a whole lot, so I figured you were on one side of the thin blue line or the other. Yeah, um, I'm a deputy sheriff in a local agency that shall... Be... Okay. So, if, so, in other words, is this a crime that is only activated by another crime? In other words, carrying a crowbar isn't illegal, but it's like one more thing they can hit you with if they catch you inside a guy's house rummaging through his silver? Or attempting to break into someplace, uh, someplace yeah. So, it, so it's another way that you can stick a guy away for a longer period of time. Yeah. Excellent. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you, officer. I appreciate it. No problem. All right, excellent. There you go. That's uh, Officer Todd. Fantastic. Uh, that may be the definitive uh, word on burglar tools here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. Once again, you're, uh, you're good for me. You've sent me to the dictionary. Uh, there is no such, when you're discussing the ninja story, there's no such word as rubes. It's roof. First of all, I, the phone connection is, please just spell each of the words you're talking about. I say when you were discussing the ninja story. Yes. Yes, and you you were talking with him, and, and there's no such word as rubes, R-O-O-V-E-S. It's roofs. Oh, ru I thought you meant rubes. Yes, yeah, well, I do. No, I do have a, yes, I have some localism in my dialect. That is true. It's just like people in Utah occasionally say miracle, not miracle. Well, you know, another Or a washing machine. Washing machine, yes, sir. Yeah, about that one word. You know, and you've heard it said probably that, that we in the Northwest speak the, the purest, uh, if you will, uh, unadulterated uh, form of English. Is, that's, well, that's is. clearly not true. In no, not in, true. in no reality is that the case, sir. You and I both know that. Well, the, the two words that, that I, would, I would say are, are foremost in, in disproving that, uh, we say crick. Instead of creek, the way it should be, and, and a lot of times we tend to say roof instead of. Well, roof. you you may say, I sound like William Shatner doing that stupid. Um, you say sabotage, I say sabotage, or whatever the thing. Uh, you may say crick. I uh, I thought that was a thing confined only to hee haw. Ah, well, I, I guess I'm just a good old country boy. I don't know. All right then. Thanks. Yes, it's been a slice. Thanks. Thanks so much. Jesus. All right. <laughs> All right. First, you say crick. By the way, in part of your normal conversation, you're not allowed to call up and correct anybody about anything. That's a new rule. Why would I be going to a crick? Seriously, uh, no, I, I think that's because you're catty corner to one, Tim. To, to catch some uh, catfish? <laughs> you're going to the crick to wash up. All right. Yeah, to catch, no, it's not catfish. They're, uh, to catch crawdads probably is what you're going to be doing. Uh, let's do one more here. Uh, let's see. Did you know that Oregon is the 33rd heaviest state in the Union? You Mississippi lie. is number one. Colorado's the thinnest. Yes, Mississippi became the first state to crank the 30% barrier for adult residents considered to be obese. Really? West Virginia and Alabama are slightly behind they that. They get some sort of a deep-fried prize? Mm -hmm. Oregon is ranked 33rd. Our obesity rate is 22.2%. How do they figure this I, out? I have no idea. They get some sort of a deep-breaded, uh, some sort of a deep-fried breaded loving cup, I imagine. They have decided that a lack of exercise is a huge factor in obesity rates. <laughs> really? Yes. That's hard to believe. Mm -hmm. All right. 22% uh, of Americans do not engage in physical activity at all. The percentage is greater than 30% in four states, Mississippi, Louisiana, Kentucky, and Tennessee. That is sort of the, uh, I don't even know what it would be called. What kind of a belt would that, like a fat belt? I suppose so. All right. Another factor in obesity rates is poverty. The five poorest states in the top ten are the fattest of all. Excellent. Well done. All right. Well, before we do anything else, let's, let's talk to Scotty J. Scotty J. I wish I knew how to quit you. I gotta congratulate that guy that made this sounder. I've never gotten tired of this. 
And I still think of Grace Metolius every time we play this. Well done. Hello, Scotty J. How's it going, Rick? All right, Scotty. I don't want this to be a thing that just sits out there and looms like a big looming seething thing. So, so now what is your now? Why are you upset? I'm I'm not upset. I'm don't, over it. Don't don't lie. I'm not this, upset. You're not gonna. This isn't gonna help anything if you just turn this into a parlor of deception. I'm going to therapy okay. after the show. Why were okay? So why were you upset? Oh, I just wanted to share a little bit about my weekend and uh, whatever. No, let's let him do it. No, don't, don't, no. Well, no, 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 don't gloss over it. That's not. This is not that it kind of actually, program. Okay, it was actually fun because here's the deal. When, when when I got there, apparently some listeners were on this trip that I didn't know about. The listeners of the Emerson show. This is at, they, Lake, at Lake Billy. Right. They said something. they'd been listening for yes. quite a while. For and, 14 years, the guy said. Well, on and off, obviously, yeah, over the on years. On and off for 14 years. <laughs> but anyways, uh, um, apparently. One of them uh, had heard us talking about it last week yes. that I was potentially going to go there, and it turns out he's in a band, and he was like, hey, you know, be on the lookout for Scotty J. So I thought that was really funny. So in turn, when they played their first night on Friday night, the yes. band, uh, for like 100 people or more, and we're way out in the middle of the water, it's a pretty cool event. I mean, it's fun to be there. Uh, they had me announce them, so, of course, I'm like... Oh, so you did the stage intro. Yeah, and I talked about AM970 and all that stuff, and hopefully we've got some more listeners. But here's the thing. you got to, like, tell me that stuff, because otherwise it it looks like a bunch of guys calling up basically about a fishing trip I wasn't invited to. Well, I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm saying it's like a thing that happened, like, a long way away that really no one but you on the show was at and that we don't know anything about. So... I mean, it is kind of cool that the band knew you and that they brought you up to introduce them, but like, but not knowing any of that, it, and then I looked at and was like, what, guy wants to talk about being on the fishing boat or whatever the whole kind of boat it was. You realize how that just seems like there's no potential for anything interesting there, which is not a knock on the guys calling in. Sure, they're nice guys, but it's a thing that, as they say, has a niche appeal to the audience. Right. A uh, thing that, you know, has an appeal to a very – and that there wasn't anything like uh, – I sound like I sound like what's his name? I say I sound like that uh, that the Steve Martin character in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. You've got to pick and choose stories that are interesting or amusing. Um, well, you know, I, so it's like whereas the soapbox derby had a lot of drunks and a lot of people being uh, pinned and having their skin scraped off, and whereas <laughs> Rockfest had my wife almost punching somebody without giving me sort of a background. Uh, the calls about uh, you and Mrs. J hanging out on a houseboat. No offense. It just sounds like a thing that maybe wouldn't be all that entertaining for the listeners to hear about. Right. It was actually a little bit more than that. It was it was just a party starting on Thursday and ending on Sunday. And uh, I can talk about a couple of things. First of all, it was really funny when I was doing the announcement. My wife was actually on our houseboat changing for the event or changing to watch. Is this, is this going to entail your wife somehow being spotted nude by somebody? No, no. But oh. it's kind of funny because... She heard my voice on the boat next to us because the band was playing on on the rooftops of the boats. And she was actually in our boat changing, getting ready to come out. Or she was done changing, rather. But she heard my voice, so she goes running through the back of it. And she starts looking up to try to look at the roof. And she goes right off the end of the boat with all of her clothes on as she's trying to see me make this announcement. That is amusing. It was kind of a funny I'm picturing Henry Fonda and uh, Catherine Hepburn <laughs> as also, this is happening. Yeah, it was All also right. pretty cool because each boat out of seven boats, there's like 14 people on each boat, had to had a theme. So, like on Saturday night, we had the, we were the pirate ship, and we were charging a toll for people to walk through the back of our boat. They had to drink from this drink called the Puking Pirate, and they had to let us know if it was good or bad. Or Tim, do you have questions about Scotty's adventures at Lake Billy Chinook? No, it's pretty much self-explanatory. <laughs> yes, it is. Isn't it? Yes, <laughs> there, there was some All right. funny here's stuff. How you can, here's how you can redeem this entire segment. You can explain how it is that you kept referring to this as like a girl's gone wild kind of thing. 
Well, when the band would play, they would either, uh, uh, hopefully we can use this term. Take off an article of clothes. Yeah, there, that's, that's safer. Oh, my God. That's much safer. What were you going to say, strip? <laughs> well, no, like they play this particular song, and it's all about the moon. So, I don't know. So these ladies someone would expose their buttocks. Yes. Bloomers. Did yes. In their bloomers, in their pantaloons. And then other songs, it was just free, you know, girls gone wild activities. See, like what that. does that mean? Well, the flashing. Tell me that your wife made out with another woman. <laughs> No, but oh, some people we then. knew did. Doesn't it doesn't yeah. count. And then no way we saw it count. happening. Were these attractive? People? Actually, it's pretty cool because uh, uh, no, of course they weren't. The band next door to us. The name of their band, real Maybe fast. Should have gone to the nude nude beach at Sobey Island. Have you ever gone to Sobey Island? I have not. Really? I, I you can save the money should. and just go there. You'll probably see the same thing. <laughs> people look, look oven roasted there. <laughs> people who are clearly from one of those seven thirty percent states we mentioned earlier. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. So what is the name of the band? Well, well the, the Melody Butchers. I thought it kind of be cool to talk to him because he knows a lot about the Portland music scene and he, he's played with a lot of local Portland musicians. Now, and, like say, I say, Johnny uh, Johnny Stanford from the Dry County Crooks. And I, and I swear it came out of his mouth that he said... The I don't Shoots think there is a guy named Johnny Stanford in the Dry County Crooks unless they've recently changed their lineup. Well, he's changed to this new band, right? And he's, he's a Jack Russell's Dry County Crooks. Apparently, uh, Davy Nipples knows him. And uh, then we got Basil from Supernaut, the drummer. Uh, and a couple other guys. So I was I was hoping uh, Mike would actually you know talk to you for a couple couple minutes because he has a different take on the event than what I've given. You're you. doing quotes for the take. <laughs> yes. Okay. So do you feel like you've redeemed yourself in the trip? No, I just I I actually was thinking about this all weekend. It was it, I guess it was one of those had to be there kind of things. But I was thinking about you and if you were actually there, there there was plenty of show material yeah, going. That's on. That's not the kind of thing I'm gonna do. Just so you know, you don't like the water, right? I don't I don't really like going places or seeing people, especially if it's outdoors. And really? stuck there for four days. In yeah, the middle and, of un- and you unable can't to go while I'm, I'm surrounded pirates vomit. I was just gonna say <laughs> unable to leave while I'm stuck in the outdoors, surrounded by drunkards, mosquitoes. It really is like beyond the ninth circle. It's like a fifteen circle of hell for me. All right. So don't think that we're saying that your life is uninteresting, Scotty. We're just saying it's uninteresting to the audience. Okay. All right. Thank you. Scotty J, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all right. And do we have Carlin later in the week? Is that the deal? Yes. All right. Peter Carlin later in the week. When we come back, CNN radio correspondent James Roop, a guy named Ed, will uh, come back and uh, come on the show with us. He'll be doing his top five most flawlessly crafted pop songs of all time. Uh, Tim Riley returns at the bottom of the hour and so forth. It's 503-733-2970. It's Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere else. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. 503-733-2970. Coming up here in a short while, a man named Ed will be here in the studio counting down his personal top five. Top five most effortlessly and perfectly crafted pop songs of all time. Hey, do we know if Ed's here? Ed is supposed to be here around 2.15. Okay, well, just let me know. I guess I guess uh, Dave's in the gatekeeper. We'll uh, we'll bring him down at some point. Fantastic. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent and living god James Roop. Hello, sir. Woo-hoo. 
Good hey, morning. Good afternoon. What's up, brother man? How are you? I'm well, man. I'm groovy. You're covering that. Well, first of all, let's talk about this. You got all that uh, those wild files. Uh, wild files. A lot of wild uh, files. Wild files. Crews are battling fires in Santa Barbara, and this is—is is this just sort of the the yearly batch of fires that we have well, there? Well, this is this the Santa Barbara fire has been going on since the Fourth of July. Are you kidding me? No, it's been burning uh, almost two months now. Three hundred seventy square miles, my man. Two hundred forty plus thousand acres. I Lots mean, of trees burned down. I don't mean to sound flip about this, but I would think they would have run out of things to burn by now. Well, this is kind of a good thing. It's burning away from populated areas in the Los Padres National Forest, and, and it's just kind of thinning out the uh, thinning out the forest for the future. You know, I mean, the more I mean, some of that brush is ten feet thick. You got to really hack your way through it. And so it's just burning out now, which is which is a good thing. So as long as it, as long as it's not burning toward anything that they really care about, they just sort of monitor it and like well, bar- they're trying to put it out. But I mean, you know, as long as uh, they're doing their best, they only have about I think two thousand firefighters on it now. All right, so it's yeah. not like not like really job one at the moment until it gets near Suzanne Summers' house or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's when they got to start cracking down. They couldn't even save hers in Malibu, oh. doggone it. Hey, let me ask you this. This is the thing we've been trying to figure out today, and not to put you on the spot about this, but if you had to give us the definition, the person who who defines B-list celebrity, B is in Bob, the B-list celebrity. Who is the definitive B-lister? Wow. We were trying to we were trying to figure it out because we you know we had spent all this time talking about Paris Hilton a while back and then a guy had asked us a question we'd never gotten around to answering it and he sort of he, he emailed today because we were talking about celebrity suicides because of this Owen Wilson thing and we got into this whole discussion about who is an A-lister who is a B-lister and what is the difference between the two and so forth. I think forth. Ernest Borgnine would be a B-list actor. See and th- there you go. I would say a B-lister is one step above character actor in. Because a character actor, you pretty much only know when you see them. Yeah. Like Fred Thompson for a long time was a character actor. Like right. You, you know, or James T. Walsh. You'd uh, J.T. Walsh, you'd see a guy and you go, oh, I know that guy, but you wouldn't know his name. Probably a B-lister is somebody whose name you know, but you can't really come up with the last thing they did. Right. That would be my Sam guess. Shepherd. Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard is probably... He's in the world of B-listers. He's up there, but you're right. He's always a co-star. Like I always, exactly. He's a sidekick. Yeah. Let me just say this. Here's the thing that you know that maybe wasn't the case a while back, but now is. You know who has become a B-lister? Who was an A-lister a short time ago? Mel Gibson. <laughs> well, I would say he's dangerously close to being that. I was also going to say our man Ben Affleck. Yeah, you're right. Ben Affleck was an A-lister, has become a B-lister. Only because he tried to star in a few movies on his own. He Well, that's the thing, is he forgot. He, he didn't. Even in that movie with Sam Jackson, he was the co-star. It wasn't even a co-star. He was an also-ran. He was, he was sort of an A-lister just by dint of the fact that he had hung around Matt Damon and that he had that perfectly chiseled jawline or whatever of his. Yeah. Um, and then I think he sort of... Forgot the fact that he, you know, uh, I, I think he just tried to strike out too boldly on his own, uh, and now he is back on B list. And I would say Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler was an A lister. Now somewhere between B and maybe even C. Yeah. Here's how I judge them: it's whether or not I would be able to get them on the program. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think if I can get them on the program, they either never were an A-lister or they were a long time ago, and they have fallen sufficiently far on the uh, on the you know the totem pole that I'm able to uh, to pull them, as they say. So, hey, are you talking about this Owen Wilson thing? Yeah. What? So what is the deal? So is it the Inquirer, who actually they are pretty reputable most of the time? They uh, they say that he was trying to off himself, and his family discovered him before it happened. Well, the reason why it, it looks like they might be right is the statement he released. You 
a statement that says, I ask that you respect my privacy and uh, in healing at this difficult time in my life. Right. I mean, you know, if you have an accident, you know, or uh, even a heart attack, yeah, it's a difficult time, but you don't you don't use that word. Right, right. You know, um, so I think maybe, yeah, although I don't know what the hell he would have to be depressed about enough that he would try and off himself. Well, everybody, that's the thing everybody always says, and, you know, unless he's just like nuts or a junkie or something, but I don't know that either of those things is true, so. Well, he's definitely, he's not an, a B-list actor. No, well, he, I mean. He's been linked with everyone from Kate Hudson to Sheryl Crow, for gosh sake. I mean, really, I say, if it's determined by the amount of, by the, by the women you stoop, then yeah. I would say he's definitely up there. Uh, and he does have that weirdly talented family, because, again, people think of Owen Wilson just being some beach bum Spicoli type, but he co-wrote Rushmore, he co-wrote yep. the Royal Tenenbaums. Yep. So it's, uh, you know, and then he's got that uh, that brother of his who's Luke. all, yeah, who's all kind of squinty but funny. So. They all got that, they all got a weird kind of face. Yeah. He's got that nose, and his brother's got those jaws. And, you know, from what you can, I mean, you can only tell so much about a guy from an interview, but I read the Playboy interview with Owen Wilson, and which I consider to be sort of the gold standard of interviews. And he did come off as a really well-balanced, well-adjusted guy. Yeah. I mean, so who knows? He's got the world, again, and I hate, I, I use this phrase a lot, but it's true. He's got the world by the ass on a downhill drag. No, the audience what? loves it when you say that. What's that? The audience loves it when you say that. Oh, well, what, what in the hell could he possibly be depressed about. I have no idea. I, I, I will never... I should be depressed. <laughs> you, should, sh- you should do that. You should go by and tell, give him a... Give the him what kick for. my ass downhill. Go ahead and give him a lecture. Um, I, mean, I, I don't get that at all, man. But, you know, whatever. I, I, I guess, you know, these guys, because they're so artistic, maybe, they're just so unstable. But, Lord have mercy, he's got... He has nothing. Well, that's the thing is, it's like if you know, if that guy's depressed enough to kill himself, like, what are we all supposed to do? Yeah, really, man. Why am I still here? You know, I should probably get to be buddies with people like that, so they leave me their money. I would. There you go. Hey, that's a great idea. You know what it is? Write that. Write this down. That is a great idea for the plot of some dark comedy about people who go around befriending the depressed and wealthy. Oh yeah. There you go. That's a great idea for some dark comedy starring and, and, Ben Stiller. And this our subject in this in this movie is able to recognize actors on top who are just about to fall off. Yeah. And they know they're going to be depressed, so they they hunt them down and they befriend them, and then all of a sudden, that you know, they encourage them. Hey, what are you going to do? You want you need some pills? Have some more vodka. Yeah. Have some more. No. The goal is just to get into their will right before they snuff it. Oh yeah. That's a great idea. That you know what? We're we're saying that right now, you know, freaking like Jeffrey Jeffrey Katzenbaum will have that in the in in development by the end of the year. Uh you so. you keep logger tapes, right? We yeah. got this. Totally, yeah. yeah. We copyright this thing. Yeah, Send it to ourselves. Yeah, so the the Dreamworks guys will be uh, they'll be rolling that out before the end of the week. You're man. a genius, my man. Well, You're it's, a genius. It's I'm only reflecting your uh, genius. So. <laughs> okay. All right, Jim Roop, enjoy your day, my brother. Hey, thank you. There you go, James Roop in Los Angeles. Fantastic. All right. No, Jeffrey Katzenberg will totally be, uh, that'll be, that'll be rolled out, that'll be stamped out this week. That's a great idea. That is a brilliant idea. Okay, you heard it right here first. Uh, all right, hey, is Ed, okay, let's welcome now to the, uh, Rick Emerson show, let's welcome, uh, Ed, a man known only as Ed, uh, who will join us now in the studio. Scott, will have Scotty, uh, we'll have Scotty bring him down the hall to us, uh, and then we will, uh, we will count down his top five. Hey, do we have the number? Oh, they're wearing matching shirts. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're wearing exactly the same shirt. What the hell is That's that about? That's pretty damn close. Hey, first of all, uh, we don't have song number one here. Did you have your CD, Ed? Yes. Yeah, all right, okay, we're going to get song number one. Ed, welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. Thank you. Okay, first of all, 
You're totally wearing the same shirt as Simon. Mine's blue, his is green. Okay, but stripes and everything, and it's collared, it looks exactly the same. Really? Stripe just, polo? Minus the color. Just given that, like, a casual glance, it looks like you guys are not twins, but, like, you certainly pull from the same wardrobe. Uh, hardly twins. A little unnerved. Like, he's all quick to distance himself. I don't. I only uh, stood next to him. So, uh, you called it on well, Thursday. We did a top five, which is, uh, is my uh, top five, so I know it's subjective. But it was... Uh, in my opinion, the top five most effortlessly and perfectly crafted pop songs of all time. And then this guy, Ed, starts uh, a call of it. It gives me a bunch of guff on the phone. I mean, your list is crap. Um, what was it? What was the one you liked? You were it, there The was, Ramones. You liked the Ramones, but then it all went downhill, and then you just started putting the boot in on Cheap Trick, which is a bad way to earn points with me. So, Mr. Man. <laughs> Cheap Trick has its place, but has, not here. Has its place. <laughs> right. Sort of like Cheese Whiz. Maybe. What is your problem with Cheap Trick? Please to elaborate. I, I just, when you think about the top five bands of all time for pop, or pop songs, mm -hmm. or Cheap Trick wouldn't even be thought of. If you put 100 monkeys in a room for 100 hours with a typewriter, they would never come up with Cheap Trick. I'm not it. saying that, like, every song they do is, is the best song ever, but I'm saying in terms of pure pop, they've had some unassailable. Look, let me just, let me, let me just say this. I want you to want me. That's, Great like, song. as good as it gets. I mean, to me, I prefer Surrender, but I'm saying if you're going to boil down pure, distilled sweetness and, and light, I want you to want me. It's right there. I'm not going to wipe them off the face there. Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, worst band ever, but All right. okay. top five. All right. So this is your top five, though. You have Now, have you been working on this list in your head for a long time? Because i got to tell you, the top five that I did on Thursday, uh, I... What? I, don't, okay. I, I can't understand okay. you. Scotty, you don't have to whisper. Okay, What's your deal? CD for, for that for the, uh, honorable mention. I've got, I've got number six there. through number two. Oh, yeah, I've got six, five, four, three, two. I just don't have number okay, one. Okay, I'll just... I'll, okay. All right. Okay. The best Thanks, Scotty. Scotty, three inches away from a microphone. <laughs> so, Sarah, <laughs> here's the CD. All right. Did I mention that I went fishing? Uh, you ever been to Lake Billy Chinook? Um, yes, I have a lot. Really? You get a big thumbs up? A lot of swinging going on out there? No. A lot of hot girl-on-girl -girl action? No, it's hardly a party place. I mean, it's all right to go swimming and hang right. out with your friends. Just but... checking. All right. So now my top five I've been working on in like a long time, decades. And only last Thursday was I ready to unveil it. So is this a, did you have to think long and hard about this top five, or did it come together pretty easily? Um, I put a lot of time in it. I'd like to say that I did other things this weekend, but it was pretty much calls to my friends and debates about this and then it turned out that pretty much every list we had was better. So Excellent. We just picked our favorite. <laughs> so how? So this is you and your friends had like a uh, like a like a know, like a high fidelity sort of discussion about this. Yeah, pretty much. So is this your list or is this sort of a conglomeration of lists between you and your friends? I picked the songs and then we put we put them on a CD and debated which one should be on there. Fantastic. But Would you like to give us songs that didn't make it on the list? Let's Dance by David Bowie didn't quite make it. See, you know, I, everybody loves that song but me. I guess I'm not a big enough David Bowie fan. I guess I guess I ought to like David Bowie a lot more than I do. But we were going, our honorable mention isn't our number six. It was just a song we thought should be mentioned. So right. we had songs that aren't as popular like uh, Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus. Uh, that's the song from Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Um, and then we thought maybe a boy band like New Kids on the Block just because it would still be better. Hey, you know, there's the... 
You know, I'm going to overlook all of these slights <laughs> against my music taste. I'm just going to say that, you know, don't rule some of those boy bands out. That, uh, what was that song by, uh, was it the Backstreet Boys? Did I Want It That Way? Yeah, that's that a great pop song. That is a really good song. It's a great pop song. It's not my favorite song, but I'll admit, as far as pop credibility goes. You know, you know what else? Let me just say this, and I'm unashamed about this. Baby One More Time is a fantastic pop song. That's a great song. It's and catchy. in 10 years, people, well, see, but you say catchy like it's some. No, like it's, it's good. Uh, like it's a flaw. It's good, but it's top five. I wouldn't put it Maybe there. Maybe not but top I mean, five. It's got some. It's got some I'm saying. In 10 years, people will be able to appreciate this Max Martin era of pop with really the respect that it deserves. I agree. I mean, 10 or 15 years on it. If this was in the 70s, everybody would remember it the same way they remembered, you know, Jackson 5 and all that. Totally. But now it's Justin Timberlake, got to stay away. But. All right. Uh, so let's uh, roll this. This is five, your top four, five from Monday. Three, two, one, fire. All right, there we go. All right, we have, uh, do you actually have the list in front of you? Do you need to be able to see my screen here? I remember the list. Okay. It's right here, if you ever. If you need this. All right, this is uh, a man named Ed. Do you want to give shouts out to your friends who helped you compile the list? My friends aren't worth their time, so. Yeah, yeah. in your oh, face, friends. Ed, Ed doesn't seem like anybody. I like you, sir. Ed's full of hate. I actually love Rick. That's, this list isn't a slight, Rick. It's, I hold him to a sure. higher standard yeah, whatever. than Cheap Trick. Whatever. Oh, I've been listening to you since, Listen like. To that. This is the thing. It's like you've seen a Carlson days, like, forever. I've been listening to you for a long time. Why must you, why must you stroke me with one hand and slap me with the other, Ed? That's how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> You're a tool. All right, that's fantastic. Well done. Okay, these are uh, Ed's top five most flawlessly constructed pop songs of all time. Honorable mention number six. Under Pressure by Queen with David Bowie. Oh, I guess it would help if I turned my volume on. There we go. This is a great song. This is a great, great And it song. spawned another classic, which I think is crap, but, I mean, it got its time, too. Yeah. This is not a bad song at all. I'm, I, I'm not a huge fan of this song. I love Queen. Um, this is not like the best song. I think really it's that I don't, while I respect him a lot, I think David Bowie is not a guy that I really like. I think I just have to come to that. I really respect David Bowie. I just don't really enjoy listening to David Bowie. Great song, though. I mean, it gets huge points just for having Freddie Mercury on it. You know who does a terrible karaoke version of this? Aaron Geek in the City. Everybody. His, his is especially bad. Because he's always drunk when he tries it. <laughs> and he can never remember any of the lyrics, I even though they're on the screen. I so mad yeah. because it's such a good song. And Were you new wedding on this? No, I think we tried to. I think I got off the stage because we couldn't do it. I think at one point Aaron was unable to even keep up with the lyrics on the screen, and he just began shouting out, People on the streets! Over and over again, really drunkenly. That's pretty great. Okay, counting down Ed's top five most perfectly crafted pop songs of all time. Number five is Superstition okay. by Stevie Wonder. See, I can see. I can totally see this. I really can. I can I can completely see this being on the list. What a great song. Yeah, I think he has you with this one. No, this I could totally see this. This and I I say this is the whitest of white men. This really is like the funkiest thing ever recorded anywhere. 
This is one of those songs, too, that you have to get some distance from because it was so overplayed for so long. You kind of got to, you know, appreciate it for what it is. You kind of got to strip away the fact that it's just been played into the ground. I was a little kid when this came out. It wasn't that way for me. It's one of the, I think it's, it got used in a lot of commercials, used in a lot of movies. I didn't hear it a lot growing up, but as I moved away from my hometown, it seems like everywhere I went, they would play, every bar I went to, they would play this, but it's that horn section right there. How great is that? The great thing is, if you listen to this on headphones, you listen really loudly, you can hear his chair squeaking, which I love. I love stuff like that. It's like when you listen to some song and you can hear a guitarist's fingers kind of squeak as he moves frets. I love little sounds like that. How great. So I've told the story before, but have you seen, um, have you ever seen the Sesame Street episode with Stevie Wonder? No. Stevie Wonder was on Sesame Street, which is, and I say this and people just sort of laugh, but I mean, Sesame Street, I think, has been really important for music in America because I think if you're a kid who grows up in a very, um, uh, culturally heterogeneous uh, neighborhood. In other words, if you grow up with just people who look like you, if you grow up with just other white kids or if you grow up with just other black kids, you may not be exposed to a whole different type of music. Sesame Street, as dumb as this sounds, really exposed kids to a lot of music from maybe cultures that they were not, uh, you know, really familiar with. And... Stevie Wonder played this song on Sesame Street, and there's a famous clip that has actually showed up in some documentaries. Stevie Wonder played Sesame Street, and he's down there, and he's playing Superstition, and it's like the real live deal. Like, it's not a lip sync. He's playing Superstition, and they pan up to this kid who I think was, I think he was uh, like a Mexican kid. He's Latin of some kind. I don't think, he was clearly, you know, just like about five years old and just losing his mind. This kid is up, like, looking over the balcony like the railing of some apartment, looking down at Stevie Wonder, who's just, like, the like soul brother number one at that point. And the kid has his head down, and he's not, like, headbanging as such, but he's got this long jet black hair. And the kid is, like, whipping his head back and forth and just, like, going mental over this song. And, I mean, it was like, it's the coolest moment because, you know, who knows if that kid grew up being familiar with Stevie Wonder or with R&B or with whatever. But, I mean, at that moment, you know, doesn't matter if you knew anything about Stevie Wonder or not. It's like there was no white, there was no black, there was no whatever. It was just this genius song. And, I mean, this kid was just losing his mind to it. If you ever see that clip, it's just the most beautiful thing. It really is. Boy, this song is great. I could listen to this every day. You're not a bad man, Ed. All right, this is Ed's top five most flawlessly crafted pop songs of all time. Number four, Kiss by Prince. Well, well, it was... This is a great song. You were bound to fail eventually, Ed. <laughs> what do you have against this song? I, okay, it's not a bad song. I Really, in the top four ever? Listen to the beat. And, I mean... This song is filthy dirty without actually saying anything. That is true. I no. mean, you have to, like, wipe this song off at the end. That's great. It stays with you all day. You've got little bits of prints all over you. You do. Sarah, how do you feel about this song? Nah. I... I think it's okay. I like Prince. I, I just never really been the biggest fan of the song. It is very poppy. You can't forget it. You hear it, and it's kind of there. It's with you. I, I think that it's it, the voice sounds a little too put on for my taste. I like the chorus a lot. Got a good hook. I think his voice sounds a little too uh, a little too contrived, a little too fake. 
Not a bad song though. I almost came in with the Tom Jones version. Now but... see, here's the thing. I don't really because I'm I don't know this actually. I'm assuming this is a Prince song that Tom Jones covered, or is it the Tom Jones on the Prince's covering? I think it's a Prince song that Tom Jones. Covered. I sort of assume that Prince has written everything in the world that the Bee Gees didn't write. It's an interesting sounding song. It's all sparse. She's got that real cold, black and white feel to it, you know? I love the song. It's a great song. I don't know that I put it in the top four. I think you may be up in the night, Ed. Did you put this on the list, or did your friends put this on the list? Every song on here was my idea. We just so this is which five were the best. 100% pure Ed. Okay. Yeah, for lack of a better term. Well, all right, then. Counting down Ed's top five most flawlessly constructed pop songs. Number three. I'm with this. Is I want to hold your hand by the beat. Okay, I am totally down with this. I don't know if it'd be my top five, but I have no, I have no quibble with this. Oh. They use clapping as an instrument. Oh, dude, it's yeah, no, I. Right there, there's a harmony there. When I was growing up, I remember my sister playing this song over and over and over. And, and that was like 10 years after this had come out. Oh, it's so great. It is. This, you know, there's two, there's two types of Beatles songs. There's this type of stuff, and then there's the, uh, you know, Strawberry Fields Forever, Yellow Submarine era. Basically, there's before drugs and after drugs. I'm a much bigger fan of this era of the Beatles, as am I. I mean, the later Beatles stuff, obviously, I respect. It was groundbreaking. It just wasn't as enjoyable. I'm not listening to the Beatles to, you know, make some statement. That happened. I just want to listen to it and, like, kind of bob my head a little bit. Totally. Now, I wish I had a pause feature here. Okay, I have to stop this for a second, and I have to play it on Windows Media Player, because, Ed, I want to ask you a question. No, uh, sir, I have a question for you, Ed, about the Beatles, and I want to hold your hand. Okay, I'm going to start this, and I'm going to skip forward here. Now, I've been hearing this song uh, off vinyl, off CD, off MP3 for my whole life, and my whole life, I have heard something in this song that no one else seems to hear, and I wonder if I'm crazy. When they go into one of these final choruses, I swear to God that John Lennon says... I'm not going to hold your hand. I swear to you that I hear it. I've heard it my whole life. It's coming up here. This may be it. It may be later. Right there. It's right there. I'm going to back it up. I swear to God that John Lennon says, I'm not going to hold your hand. I did too, actually. See? You weirdo. No one ever no one ever addresses that. What the hell is that about? Why does he say that? It's part of one of those little hidden gems that the Beatles songs are full of. Here, please do it again. He says, I'm not gonna hold your hand. Let's see, this is uh right here. WTF? Lol. <laughs> I do love this song, though. Sarah knows how much I love hand claps. Yeah, it's all about the hand claps. Oh. All right, I got to skip to the end so we can hear the big. That's total that thing you do right there. That's beautiful. Beautiful. All right, number two, Ed. 
Number two is Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. Boy, talk about a... Every girl in the world loves this song. Yes, there is do. no... There well, is every girl with brown eyes loves this song. I, I, do you love this? Okay. Uh, there is no woman on earth I, I've I ever just, met. I you know, sort of billions of times. It's a good song. So you guys are jaded by being on the radio, though. You hear all this stuff all the time. It's true. I'm actually less jaded for this stuff than I am for, like, rock songs. Like, I heard Zeppelin way more than I heard most of this stuff. Is this the radio edit? Does this say making love behind the uh, stadium? There's the radio edit because it was considered scandalous that he said making love behind the stadium or whatever. And I think they insert that line about running in the green grass. Great song, though. All right, Ed. This is not such a bad list after all. I can't wait to hear Ed's Ed. number one. It's the best list in the room, for sure. Oh, dude. See? It's like you're asking for a beating. I don't know, Rick. <laughs> all right. Ed, number one. Ed's number one most crafted, perfectly crafted pop song of all time. ABC by Jackson 5. I can see that. I really can. It's, this really is beautiful. Do you see Clerks too? I was gonna say every time I hear the song, I think Rosario Dawson. Dario Dawson nothing baby. wrong with that. I had oh. Hot as balls. See, I don't care how white you are, everyone moves to this song. Even the whitest among us. That's me, incidentally. I don't know, Rick. I'm pretty white too. Pretty pasty. A lot of people in my generation first became aware of this song because it was the base of OPP by Naughty by Nature. Yeah, you know me. Yes. Yes, yes I do, sir. Here's the weirdest video of this. Well, you know, and it's so weird to, to think that this is Michael Jackson. The creepy part, which is both creepy and great, is it that little breakdown where Michael Jackson, who I think was five or something when they sang this, and he does that whole thing, which I think only a black singer could get away with because he just totally has that presence. Jackson who was not even in long pants at this time. He was so little. And he said to Bernie, he goes, come on, girls, I want to love you. Do you know that part? It's coming up. Oh, no, no, no. We got to hear it. We're so late anyway. Oh we'll God, just we go later. So late. We're just going to have to wait. We just we have to hear the come on, girl, I want to love you part. It's so creepy. He was, I mean, like a first grader. And he's all, come on. I want to. He's all, get up, being a sex machine. Right here. Yeah. How great is that? Right. And that was it. And we're done. Ed, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. In. Ladies and you gentlemen, good, Ed. a man named Ed and his top five list. I will, I will give that top five a pass. Yes, I'll, that passes. That passes muster here, sir. Thank you, Ray. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Ed, back after this to wrap it. Well, are we wrapping? I don't even know how we're doing. We're so late. I don't know. We'll figure it out on the other side. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere.
We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. All right. Rick, today is the anniversary of Stevie Ray Vaughan's death, which also means it's the anniversary of Ed Till's finest moment. God, I wish Ed Till was still on the air so I could hear that story one more time. Then I'd blow out my brains. Signed, Tim and Gresham. Here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, of the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim <laughs> Riley. Well, you can go heckle him at the Greenwich Village. Really? Well, he's doing stand-up. I'll go check him out when I'm in New York. Yeah, I'll you take pictures of him. You do that. You give him a bright, shiny quarter from me. Oh, you're me. You know, whatever. He's living in New York, and I'm not. Well, the moon's going to do some weird things at 2.52 this morning. Uh, the moon's face will be splashed with shades of red and orange. It'll be a total lunar eclipse. It'll take place at 2.52. And I knew something weird was going on because everywhere I go in the next, last few days, cats are sitting defiantly on street corners and not moving. Really? When I walk by them with walking dogs. Tim is going crazy. No, cats are up to something. Call someone, <laughs> call someone with a net. Really? Cats are up to something. Are they plotting against you? They may be. All right. Oh, did you know that uh, Owen Wilson, who slashed at least one wrist and gulped down a whole bunch of pills to overdose and is now in the hospital, uh, has a history of depression. The actor spent time in rehab almost seven years ago in Minnesota. The celebrity cast for the next edition of ABC's Dancing with the Stars has apparently been leaked. Oh, my. Among the uh, people who will be judges are pop star Aaron Carter, Las Vegas performer Wayne Newton, billionaire Mark Cuban, actress Jane Seymour. Who, Aaron Carter, was he a Backstreet Boy? His, His brother, brother was. was. Oh, Aaron Carter. <laughs> How sad is it that I both answered at the same time? Well, I only know because... Well, he's just a spoiled brat. Well, there, yes. There, well, because there was one of them was a Backstreet Boy, Nick, I guess. Yeah. And then Aaron Carter is the one who put out that creepy series of CDs that... It was like music for pedophiles. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. And it's like the front was like him and like a bunch of other little boys in like footy pajamas, like jumping well, up and down. His brother running bed. his career. Yeah, They're really? all living together in some house. They had a reality show on. It, it'll really make you hate them a lot more. Oh, I already hate them a lot. Do you watch that man band show? I have, but that's kind of boring. It's like five minutes of show and the rest is just commercials uh, for 20-something minutes. I was thinking about Dave Zinn was trying to give me the big push to watch that. Oh, that, you should. That on the Scott Bayo show, but I'm, I'm unclear. I'm, I'm burnt out on the Scott Bayo yeah, show. I, I think it's pointless. I've had enough. Right. And no more. Uh, the surgery for a 500-pound Missouri man so he could adopt his uh, foster son has been successful. The fellow overwent the gastric bypass procedure at Renaissance Hospital in Dallas. He had the surgery for free. For some reason, and he hopes it pays off and brings his weight down, where he'll be allowed to raise a four-month-old. Uh, the family court already refused to allow him to get children because of his obesity. So if he lost weight, he could have kids. It's as simple as that. Uh, more Michigan residents are packing on the piles. According to a new survey, uh, Michigan's obesity rate is number nine of the nation, with one in four people qualifying. The study's called F as in fat. So really, they're, really they're only having the rabbits for food, not for pets. That's right. All right. For Roger and me humor there. Oh, is time running out here? Uh, we got like no, six time. minutes. All right, well, let's do a penis watch. Is it a double penis watch, Tim? It's a... Oh, it is a double penis watch. How exciting! Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. I'm trying to kill time because I have a dental appointment. I wonder why you were still here uh, and not uh, preparing your news for the uh, four o'clock hour. Well, I'm going to have I'm going to have some help. 
in putting that together, and I'm going to be back just in time to do it. Really? I would, how fortunate. Be listening at 4 and see if it happens. Are you really having help? Yes. I'm going to have uh, Scotty help me put it together. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And I will be back at 4 o'clock. So it'll be it'll be like a double the news then, because there'll be the news and then whatever sort of blaring away in the background. Yes. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, we should say that you're actually going to be uh, gone later in the week. Thursday, yeah. Friday, Monday. Yes. Will we be graced by Scotty the J doing your news? You will be. Fantastic. He's going to do a fine job. Excellent. He's, he's in good practice. Good affirmation. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Manfred Shue was so embarrassed about his penis size that he got his brother Walter to step in and have sex with his girlfriend. What? Whoa, stop. What? Manfred Shu was so embarrassed about his penis size that he got his brother Walter to step in and have sex with his girlfriend. Manfred, who's uh, 29, insisted on turning off the lights and going to the bedroom. Walter would then enter the room and then have sex. The girlfriend found out about two months when she turned the light on. She had no idea. Oh, imagine turning. Well, first of all, that has to be one damn dark bedroom. Imagine looking and turning on the... That's just so creepy. I wonder if at least a brother was more attractive. Imagine turning on the light mid-act, and it's it's like someone other than who you thought it was. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh, both men look similar. Uh, the older brother made it a point of not speaking when he impersonated his younger sibling. Manfred from Germany said he feared losing the 24-year-old girlfriend if he did not perform well. Well, wait, hold on. So if he was having his brother be his stunt penis, mm-hmm. then wouldn't wouldn't she have noticed the difference? Uh, in that sense, she didn't know till she turned the light on. No, but unless the light is inside her vagina, mm-hmm. I don't. Um, I mean, really, no. I'm just saying. Did you? Really? <laughs> I mean, really, I. Uh, I don't even know how to respond. To that. That's a new type of comedy on me. I. Uh, some. I, I'm just saying. I. Wouldn't she have noticed the difference if the. If the if the two men were substantially different in endowment, is what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of, there is a Ruled Dahl story, and many of you who are fans of Ruled Dahl, who wrote, of course, James and the Giant Peach, Charlotte and the Chocolate Factory, yeah. you know that he wrote stories for adults as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they weren't like porn, but they were adult stories. They were stories stories for grown-ups. Uh, all of them very disturbing. And Ruled Dahl did write, write this very notorious short story called The Great Switcheroo. And The Great Switcheroo is a really messed up short story, and it's about two men who live next door to each other, sort of Fred Flintstone, Barney Rubble style. And each of them, they discover in casual conversation one night that each of them sort of fancies the other's wife, and they work out this whole plan where for one night they will secretly swap places, and they will they will each run into the other's house, have their way with the wife in the dark, and then meet back, you know, and then switch play, and switch back. Uh, and it's just a messed up story. That's creepy. It's a totally creepy story. You should read it. Though. It really is well done. It's an amazingly well done story. That's exactly what this reminds me of. All right, let's get to the second half of the penis watch. The second one's from Oklahoma City. I don't even know if I want to envision this. Uh, aggravated assault charges have been filed against a church deacon at University of Oklahoma. After officials say he grabbed the University of Texas fan between the legs during a scuffle in an Oklahoma bar. Uh, A couple of months before the annual Red River shootout between the Sooners and the Longhorns, words were exchanged at Henry Hudson's pub between Ellen Beckett and Brian Thomas. Witnesses say it was uh, Thomas who was wearing a UT t-shirt. Neither Thomas or Beckett chose to comment, but the police report described what happened to the victim, including graphic details about his injuries that included a torn scrotal sack with partially exposed (laughs) testicles. Oh, that sounds like a bad bad hors d'oeuvre you'd have in Montana. Uh, a lawyer said his client uh, isn't a hardened criminal, <laughs> but is a church deacon who makes his living as a auditor who had gone to the bar that night for one reason, to play darts. Hardened criminal. 
Okay. The phrase of the day is torn scrotal sack. Uh, there's your penis. Take a look Thank at you. my enormous Jesus. penis. And my troubles start melt Well, that was worth sticking around for, Tim. There was. I get a rhythm. Take a look at my enormous penis. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the back. Uh, after his trip to the dentist, four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through, uh, like us. All right. Uh, we want to thank CNN radio correspondents James Roop, Lisa Goddard. Uh, we never did hear from Clyde today. I thought that Clyde was returning to the Rick Emerson show. Seriously, what the hell is it with people? Uh, and Peter Carlin, I guess uh, we're having another time. It is not a world of men. It's a bunch of savages in this town. Uh, and also a man named Ed for joining us today with what was a not altogether bad list. So well done. All right. Uh, Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan for AM 970 Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, Tim Riley, the PA, is Scotty J, and of course, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn. As always, uh, thanks for listening. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Be safe. Like us next. See you all tomorrow at uh, 11 a.m., my friends. Bye now.